tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. We're here talking about comic books just like every Wednesday because Wednesday is new comic book day. It's the best day of the week. It's the greatest <laughs> event ever. And it happens weekly because comics are fantastic. They are. Uh, so, yeah, this week we have a new challenge for us. We're going to try and talk about uh, Born Again, Daredevil Born Again oh, over in the classic. Marvel Universe. Daredevil stories, but I know we're going to have some interesting opinions coming up later. <laughs> How many, Before we get it, I mean... We can talk about it more later, but just how many classic standout Daredevil stories would you say there are? Ooh, you know that's tough because it it, it feels like it comes from like a specific writer, like Bendis. Okay, mm-hmm. Bendis might have three classic stories. Uh, Kevin Smith, he had a classic story. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, I, I feel like a lot of people go by the writer, but if we're talking just the character, the character itself. Honestly, I could say I could make a solid top ten. Wow, it seems because I mean, it, it seems like Daredevil has a lot of, of classic stories, whereas you know maybe uh, I, I don't want to say that he's not one of the top tier superheroes. Well, but he wasn't, but that's, he's, exactly that's yeah, he, he exactly wasn't. it. He's not one of the. He's not Thor. He's not Captain America. He's not Spider Man. You yeah, know, it's like hey, you want to screw up his status quo? You want to try something? Try it on Daredevil because, like, actually, that's that's what happened. Stan got on the book. He exited pretty quick. Uh, I don't think he was on it for long. And then it kind of became like, all right, you want to do some stuff? Because, like, even the artist, um, oh, man, he was a big uh, horror writer. Wally Wood. There we go. Not writer. Artist. Um, Wally Wood, he jumped on there. And because it was like they couldn't really get anybody to stay on the book permanently in terms of art. And he got on there, and he was like, well, you call the guy Daredevil. So he redesigned the red suit, and then they would start doing more. And it was like, yeah, well, let's let's take him out of the superheroics and put him more into the crime noir, and let's do all this stuff. And you know, it was just like, yeah, nobody really cares about the character. Not to say like he wasn't popular, but he wasn't popular. And due to that, that's what gave the writers the freedom to try new experimental stuff, which is what makes the character endearing. So right? It's funny. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, but I mean, it's honestly, I could say he might even like fifteen twenty. Like, there's some amazing stories out there. Yeah, I mean, I could probably name three. Maybe I don't even know if I could name three Captain America stories that really stick out. Uh, Fallen Sun. Um, oh, that was a good one. Yeah, from the death of Cap. Well, for me, and this one's a tough one, but I, I mean, Brewbreaker's Run. Yeah, well, that's just Soldier, its own entire yeah. story. But again, honestly, I would argue that's more a Bucky story than it is a Cap story. Yeah, but I mean, it's in the Cap. It's in the Cap book. book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, and that's what yeah. I'm going on. But I mean, yeah, you. I mean, with Daredevil, you just have so many different stories that stick out. Of well, this is Daredevil. You know, this is where when when they go to make the TV show, where they go to make the the movie. This is like you you have plenty you of pick stories to one. pick from. Yeah. So that's what I just always find Daredevil fascinating. I don't read him enough. Uh-huh. But uh, or on a regular basis, but I do think he's a fascinating character. Now, if you don't mind my asking, when you hear Daredevil, you know, like we hear a comic book character, and there's a comic story that pops up. What's the what's the one or two or three even? But what pops to your mind when you hear Daredevil? 
Uh, I mean, story-wise? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Born Again would have to be the first one that comes to my mind because just because of the uh, knowing he's got that classic uh, Catholic background, so Born Again would be yeah, a, something that, that ties yeah. in really well, yeah. Um, Guardian Devil, so Kevin Smith's oh, run. One. Uh, Yellow, which oh. is that Jeff Loeb story. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. What's the what's the first run called? Uh, oh, the... Well, when he first appears, his first, when he first appearance. It was back then. Just it was just Daredevil. comics. Daredevil okay. issue one, one, two, they didn't three, have, four. Yeah. So and they I mean, do the arcs just, just makes yeah. me think of that. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I don't know. I I don't know other titles and stuff like that. But I guess for me, when I think Daredevil, the first story that always pops to mind is the Man Without Fear. Oh yeah, so the Man the Without origin. Fear. Yeah. Oh okay. So the, the revamped origin of like the early '90s. But I always remember that one because it has a special place in my heart because I remember being a kid. And when I would go to the grocery store, my parents would go grocery shopping. I'm going to go look at the comic book rack. And I, I, you know, I was one of those kids. I would sit there and read the whole comic. I didn't care. Yeah. Uh, and I was, you know, like always going to the local Smith's, which then turned into a Smitty's, which then turned into a Fry's. But I think it was Smith's and Smitty's that had the comic book rack. And I would be reading that. And it was a five-issue miniseries. And I just thought it was beautiful. Um, just because, you know, I was a young kid. And to see Matt as a young kid and then what he becomes as Daredevil, I thought it was great. And then the other two stories, when I reconnected with Daredevil, it was when Kevin Smith brought the book back. Uh, Kevin Smith and Joe Quesada and Jimmy Pamiotti were all working together, and they gave us Guardian Devil, uh, which, again, was just a beautiful story. I sticked with the book with Quesada and David Mack, I believe, became the writer. Uh, but then I kind of lost out. Um, then they had the Daredevil Yellow. And I always like Daredevil Yellow because I think it's this good sequel to Guardian, De- or mm-hmm. Guardian Devil. Because that's essentially where he's basically finally confronting Karen's death. And you didn't really see that in the main book. Which is... So Karen's death is something that I've always... Uh, I always found funny. Especially since it's written by Kevin Smith and everybody... Spoilers here for what a 20, <laughs> 20 plus year old yeah, story. <laughs> you know, Kevin Smith's Guardian Devil is a story that kills Karen. Yeah. And uh, you know, Kevin Smith tells the story all the time about how, you know, fans come up to him and be like, you totally ruined it. You killed her yeah. off. How dare you? Who do you think you are? And then at this point, she, I mean, we just, we just did, we're, we're going to be doing Born Again, where in that she's a heroin junkie yep, addict where, who used to be a porn star. Yep, and that's it, where that all came from. By the point that, we get to in Guardian Devil, she's also been a prostitute and, you know, all this other stuff. She Her character has been pretty def- defamed at this point. I mean, it's... Well, she had some redemption, though, because... And, and that's the whole point of yeah. Daredevil's book is redemption yeah. over and over. But I'm just saying... Yeah, well, no, she got dragged through the mud where it was almost <laughs> like, that was probably a mercy kill, which could have been a good thing. <laughs> So uh, yeah, that's it. we're gonna be talking. We'll talk more about Born Again when we get when we get to that, and Daredevil when we get to that point. Right now, let's go ahead and turn our attentions to the Spinner Rack. One of uh, I'd say my favorite parts of the show. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Okay, this is gonna be the first. No, the second Wednesday. The second Wednesday of February. No, no the first. first yeah. Oh, okay. Should trust my internal calendar there. So here we go. The month of February. Um, Spend all your money here. Forget Valentine's Day. Who needs that stuff? <laughs> Pick flowers. They're more romantic. But here we go. If you were a fan of Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang during their run on New 52, which apparently was amazing. I missed out. But they're doing an absolute collection, so Volume 2 comes out. Aquaman by Peter David, Volume 1 as a trade paperback comes out. This is exciting because this was when, kind of in the vein of Daredevil, here's a character that people know, 
but don't care about. So in these adventures, this is where we see, I think it was issue two, where Peter David's like, yeah, let's just have Aquaman lose his hand. So this is where we start getting the long hair and beard look, the, 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 the pre-Momoa Momoa Aquaman. So that was some fun stuff. Batman issue 38 will be getting a reprint, which if I remember correctly was a story that was the date night. Uh, and we'll talk more about that here in a minute. Uh, Batman number 40 comes out, which will be the part two to Batman and Wonder Woman dealing with the proposal of Catwoman. Uh, Batman White Knight issues four and five. Well, actually, sorry. Issue four will be getting a second printing and issue five will be coming out. And if I remember correctly, I think every issue of that story has been reprinted so far. So this one, if you're not reading it now, change that. Get on that book. So I... uh I mean, I want to. We'll talk about it when we get to what we've been reading with the whole White Knight story. And I think I read issue three is the most recent one that I read. And I want to say I was just so disappointed in that issue. Oh, bummer! But uh, we'll get to it when we get there. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Batman Who Laughs. This is part of the, the the metal crossover. It's going into its third printing. So if you didn't listen to us the first time or the second time, <laughs> here you go one more time. Um, Black Lightning, Cold Dead Hands, Part 4 of 6 will be out. So obviously with his new TV show, they're doing something in the comics for him, which is great. We were just talking about Jeff Loeb. He always teams up with Tim Sell. So if you are a fan of their that dynamic duo, do yourself a favor and pick up their Challengers of the Unknown. This will definitely highlight their work by showing that it doesn't matter who the characters are, they tell great stories. Um, then we have Dastardly and Muttley. Uh, that'll be coming out. That'll finish up the, oh, God, the Hanna-Barbera DC mergery. Right. I don't know what the proper terms are, but that'll be part Crossover. six of six. <laughs> uh, this is a neat trade. I know I need to get this on my bookshelf. Elseworlds Superman Volume 1. I love that DC is doing this. The Elseworlds are getting used. The titles are getting used. So they've done Elseworlds Batman. I think he might have, I know he's got Volume 1. He might be on Volume 2. They did a JLA one. And now we're getting a Superman one. I love this because, and especially this volume, if memory serves correct, this will have the uh, Batman-Superman merger. So that was the one where it was baby Kal-El raised by the Waynes and then they were murdered. And then it'll also have, no, I'm sorry, yeah, it'll have that one. Okay. So that was a, that, I think, honestly, why I love that story so much, that was my first Elseworlds. I just thought how amazing this, this <laughs> world was. I thought it was great. I'm going to say my first Elseworlds was the one where it's um, Superman is mixed with the Frankenstein's monster storyline. Oh, okay. So Luther finds a, a spaceship with a dead alien inside of it. He uses the DNA from the dead alien to put together a bunch of dead body parts and then it becomes bizarre Superman kind of. Mm-hmm. Then eventually he heals up and becomes Superman. Uh, and then the other half to that was the Joker, Batman, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, where and it's and the thing is it it both books starts off with a Victorian era, you know, uh, Gordon and Perry White sitting at a fireplace talking to each other, trading stories. So oh, that's cool. Perry White's stories about Lex Luthor being Frank von Doctor Frankenstein, and then uh, Gordon's stories about millionaire Bruce Wayne who goes crazy, takes some serum becomes Batman at one point and then he's also the Joker at, at, at nights and he's fighting himself kind of thing. So huh. that's a, I'm pretty sure that's the first Elseworlds I remember. That's reading. pretty cool. I like that sec, that intro then. I like how they use Gordon. Because I've always wanted that. Like I would love to do a world's finest 
like probably miniseries and then just have stuff like that like have you know it's it's Perry White and James Gordon and then Jimmy Olsen and like Renee Montoya just have all those bit characters and it turns out yeah they do have a best friend in Metropolis or something like that I just think it'd be some some neat crossover without it having to be the big two you know um, but yeah, no, that's some fun stuff. So that trade, do yourself a favor, get that one. Exit stage left. The Snagglepuss Chronicles Part Two is out there. I know this one. Um, a lot of people were excited about it. Um, these Hanna Barbera crossovers—they're really starting to gain some popularity because at first people didn't like the extreme changes to the characters. Now I think people are starting to realize that wow, these are some great stories. So I would definitely say if you're interested, check that one out. Uh, Green Lanterns issue forty comes out, which will continue with. Hal Jordan, or sorry, no, Green Lanterns, uh, that'll be the adventures of Simon and Renee. No, Simon and Jessica, there we go. Uh, Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica, so this is the crossover of Batman and Archie without Batman and Archie being the main ones. Part 5 of 6 will be out. Uh, We have Injustice 2, print issue 19. I cannot say enough about this book. Oh my god, this is just so amazing, and I know, I think it was issue 17, 18, and 19, they are just going to rip your heartstrings out. So buy some tissues because, <laughs> oh my God, Tom Taylor is a beautiful monster. <laughs> uh, the Jetsons, part four of six. And that's a neat one because that's Amanda Connor and her husband, Jimmy Pagliotti, teaming up on that one. So if you're fans of their Harley Quinn run, jump on this one. You'll get some more of, the, of that just crazy chemistry that they bring to their comics. Justice League issue 38 will be out there. I'm kind of sad. Uh, like I said, I, I left the Justice League. I got tired of the book. I was not excited. Christopher Priest has been on the book, and I hear he's doing amazing stuff. Like People are comparing this story to like Watchmen-esque stuff, where it's basically the Justice League is challenging this the is country. The, this is the No Justice storyline? No, no, this is before what No Justice is. Okay. But this is just like, you know, people are like, hey, what's with these supers? They're not being reined in and stuff like that. So it's almost like... Watchmen, Squadron Supreme, and Civil War, but in in continuity DC comic books. So I honestly, I might have to go back issue shopping. This makes me happy. Mr. Miracle, issue one, fourth printing. Mr. Miracle, issue two, third printing. Mr. Miracle, issue three, third printing. Mr. Miracle, issue four, second printing as well. Wow, <laughs> that book is killing it. I could not be more happy. And I think so far I've managed to score every printing of issue one. So I am just, I'm excited. Go out there, get this well, book, enjoy this book. Once it's, once it's in the, it's in trade, I'll read it and you can, you can, I can, I can uh, talk to you about it finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, and I, I did hear this the other day and I, I, I am terrible about it too. Um, I don't remember who it was. I was following a couple <laughs> Uh, I'm, you know, obviously I follow some comic book creators on, on Twitter, just like any good comic book reader does as you should. Uh, and someone said something about, um, uh, hearing fans always saying, you know, I'll get it when it's all collected. And it's like, well, it's not going to get collected if you don't read it the first time around, you know, it's not going to go any further unless you do, you know, it's it's like, yeah, you're right. I, I really should. And that's what I always have a problem with, with the people who watch TV shows. Cause like, I, I, I love TV too. And I, I, uh, you know, people will be like, oh, I, I binged it all on Netflix and I was, and, but there's only one season. I was like, yeah, there's only one season because you didn't watch it when it was on air, you know? So they didn't have the people to watch it and, or to watch it. And now, now there's only the one season and we all have to suffer. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm follow the same. I, I, 
I'll find a, a trade and I'm like, oh, this was a great story. I've, unfortunately, there's not more, but that's because I wasn't supporting it when it was. But, you know, it's such a catch-22. I hope that's the correct reference to that. But it, it it is because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, like I heard a lot of great stuff about The Vision. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading Tom King's work on Grayson. I, I know he's done great stuff. Um, you know, that's why I continued and I, I followed him on the Batman. Now, what caught me with Mr. Miracles, because I love that character, you know, and I did that. But I, I feel like comics... I, I hope we don't follow that same vein as television does where reading where ratings demand that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we kind of do. And it is a tough call because it does put you in a dilemma. But at the same time, as a comic book crazy fan, you know, there's crazy cat ladies and I'm a crazy comic book fan. Cause, <laughs> well, like, I mean, I have a closet at home that is just full of comic books. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got over 20 long boxes. And it's one of those things where it's like, again, why did I go to that extreme? Because the world we grew up in wasn't like it is today. There were no digital comics. There weren't even as many trade paperbacks or hardcovers. So it's one of those things where in my my man cave, you know, I have one whole wall that is just dedicated to shelves so I can put trade and hardcovers on it. And that wall's full. And it's like, I like that because I'm like, oh, I'm really craving this storyline and I can get it. The comic books, how do you do it? How do you store them? Because boxes, I mean, it's like, what if it's the bottom box in the rear stack? Are you asking me you know? personally? Well, no, I'm just throwing oh, it out just there. Throwing it out the, there. Okay. the rhetorical question, but I mean, it's one of those things. So it's like, again, it's like I want to cut down on clutter. Not to say it in a mean way, but I want to cut down on the clutter of back issues. So I don't blame people who are like, no, I, because it's tough. Yeah, do you invest in a book that may or may not be good? You know, Do you wait till the critical acclaim is up there? And then, okay, I'll jump in on it. You know, So it's it's a tough call, and that's why it's... It's so tough, but I mean, I hope comic books, I hope DC and Marvel with their marketing, they do look at that and they say, okay, you know what? The story's doing good. We'll catch people on the prints. So, you know, they'll do that. Or, okay, if they decide to wait till the collected edition, there you go. Because, I mean, they will they should make enough money off this where it's like, okay, the original run did great. We got second, third, fourth. I was going to say, obviously, with Mr. Miracle, know. they're doing a bunch of, bunch of printings. It yeah. hit number one on a lot of people's list for last year. So I don't think they're going to be hurting. Yeah, I don't think they will. I mean, because, like, even then, like, I know what's going to happen. They're going to make the tri- – oh, they'll make the hardcovers. They'll probably solicit the hardcovers first. And, of course, I saw they did that, uh, you know, one through six, and then they'll do seven through 12. And it's like, why not just give me the whole book? We know it's a (laughs) 12-issue series. Why not just give me the whole book? So they'll do that, and then they'll release a hardcover, or they'll they'll do a two-hardcover set, then they'll do a two-trade paperback set, (laughs) then they'll release a hardcover that has all of it, oversized, deluxe, and then they'll do a trade that has all of it, and then they'll probably turn around and be like, and here's the absolute edition, which... (laughs) I'm going to admit kind of gets me mad. Right. You know, I mean, I appreciate it. I do. I do. But it's one of those things where it's like, and I'm sure you can relate to this as a TV movie fan with DVDs, you know, like, okay, there's the collector's edition. There's the director's edition. There's the steelbook edition. There's the ultimate, you know, and it's the director's cut. There's the producer's cut. There's the theatrical cut. Yeah. You know, I I get it. And it's those things that suck because it's like, it almost, it almost scares me to like, where, what do I collect? Because, Going back on to Daredevil for a second here, I really enjoyed Shadowland. A lot of people did not like that yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was lucky because when I did that crossover, I just stayed with the Daredevil main books. And so I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. But what got me mad was with collected editions, they did two trade paperbacks. One was Daredevil, Shadowland, and one was Shadowland. So Shadowland collected like the six or eight issue miniseries and then Daredevil Shadowland collected the tie-in issues. Mm -hmm. But the way the writer did this, um, 
oh, I can't think of his name. It'll come to me in a second. But the way the writer did this, he had it that it would be Shadowland, Daredevil, Shadowland, Daredevil. They would stagger into each other. And you would need the two and to, you would, yeah, for you the know, story. Because if you read one, you got parts. If you read the other one, you got extended. But if you read them both in conjunction, the story was that much deeper for it. And I was like, okay, this is fantastic. And, you know, so I was excited when the trade paperbacks came out. Of course I bought them. But, yeah, it was like you have to read one trade, set it down, go read the other trade, set it down, go back. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bounce back and forth between books. So that actually led to me buying all the issues, going to a custom bindery and having it bound together and making my own omnibus. And now, actually, I think in these solicits that I'm going to read off to you, they made a Daredevil Shadowland omnibus. And I'm like, damn it, you know, I mean, because – I was truth be told, I was even surprised that they did collect it because it's been so long. Hmm. Uh, Andy Diggle, you know, when Andy Diggle oh, okay. was writing Green or Daredevil. So yeah, but anyway, so I guess vent over. <laughs> Go by Mister Miracle. That's the short end. That's where I was part of the story. Uh, let's see, Nightwing thirty eight. Uh, that'll continue on with uh, Sam Humphreys taking over the book. Uh, Superman issue 40 will be out there. So that's... Oh, and one last one. This one's a neat one. I might have to go back and track down the part first. Or two, actually. I'm sorry. Swamp Thing winter special. Um, you cannot get me to buy anything Swamp Thing. I'm sorry. I just do not like the character. Uh, I don't I don't like Swamp Thing. I don't like Man Thing. They just don't make any sense to me. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, they're not the big ones. But again, this is going to be one of those ones. Tom King's writing a story in it. <laughs> So, so that might be the way to get to you, you know, like all of a sudden, like, oh, man, now Mitch is wearing Swamp Thing shirts. And Shit. He made his own paper mache life-size Swamp Thing. He's just an uber fan. And I get I get what what's the who's the what is it? Alan Moore who did the well, Alan Moore was thing? the one who kind of. Yeah, he he revamped the character, made him a little bit more. Popular. And then Neil Gaiman also did a Swamp Thing thing story, too, right? I think you right? might be right. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, well, even Len Wein had trouble. Like, I believe he created the character. And it was just kind of like, yeah, I created it. Did and he then, create Man Thing also? I don't think he created Man Thing. I'm not sure who did that one. No, I thought, I'm not even sure who came first. It might be Man Thing or maybe it's Swamp Thing. Hmm. But they are very just ridiculous. And they're pretty and close too. Yeah, I mean, like in in debut date, if I remember correctly. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, maybe it's like within a month or two. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I forgot about that. Uh, but anyways, this Swamp Thing Winter Special, it's kind of a jam book, and it's kind of a dedication to Len Wein with his passing. So, you know, it's one of those ones where it, it, it could be, if you're a collector, obviously there's reasons to collect it. Or if you're, an, you know, you want to see a tribute, that would definitely be a good tribute book. And then the last thing from DC Comics that could be really, well, two, <laughs> sorry, I did it again. Uh, Teen Titans by Jeff Johns, Volume 2. So I was lucky. I was looking through my comics. I actually, I did jump on Teen Titans when Jeff Johns did it, but I only stayed for the first arc. And I'm so bummed at myself because that's why I never read the original Titans of Tomorrow when they did that story because oh. I just left the books. I just you missed just it. just missed it. Okay. Just missed it. So anyways, but these books have been great, these collections like that. I mean, I know Jeff Johns is hot and he's their boss, so of course they're doing them all. But it's just great because I, I, bought, the young, or I bought the JSA one. I know you bought the Young Justice ones. And it's been great. It's great to get a set of books that are, at least I know what the JSA one they did the secret files, and then they went into issue one, and it's been collected perfectly so far. So it's nice because, you know, exactly where the annual should have been read and all the missing pieces are included. So I do like that they're doing that. And then lastly, it is February, so they will have their Young Monsters in Love Valentine Day one yeah. shot. So a little bit of a different title there. I think it's also a jam book with a lot of people uh, just getting involved and doing a lot of stuff with it. So some good stuff there. Um, let's see, scrolling along. 
Don't forget, if you're a Batman fan, there's Shadow Batman Part 5 of 6, which comes out from Dynamite. Um, there's actually been good word on the street about that one. People have been liking it. So to be honest with you, it, it's not my cup of tea. I didn't go for it. But I will say it does have some beautiful cover art. And, you know, again, they're very, very nor crime fighters. So maybe that could have been a good one to jump on. I'll have to wait till I'll wait till collected editions now and see if I, <laughs> if I jump on it. Uh, then we have over in Image Comics, we'll be getting Walking Dead 176. And are we okay with spoilers? I think we're going to be okay with spoilers. This has been about a month now. Yeah. So Walking Dead 175, we find out Michonne, her daughter is alive. So I'm sure, that, like, if I remember correctly, that last panel just ended with them like, Michonne, that's your picture. I'm sorry, we don't know if it was the daughter. I think it was the daughter. But anyways, Michonne is on the wall of missing people. Right. So somebody's looking for her. So we're going to find somebody from Michonne's past. Uh, I Maybe I'm jumping to the conclusion that is the daughter. Maybe it could have been. No, actually, because I think it was her husband and brother were her zombie pets, if I remember correctly. Right. So, yeah, so it should be that leaves just the kid. So that'll be, um, if you're a Michonne fan, this is the part two of that. Going to Marvel Comics, we have Amazing Spider-Man 793 getting a second printing. Again, it's I feel for Marvel Comics, I would say 2017 was just not their year. Uh, they definitely went very relevant with what's going on in society, and they, they took the diverse factor on. Um, a lot of people felt that they went too far with it. I'm kind of in the middle of the road. I, I felt some of it was good, but some of it was bad, which is what happens with any and all writing. Not everything's going to be out of the park. You know, the new Falcon character, I'm not interested in him. I'm not invested in him. That doesn't mean he's a good character, but that doesn't mean that's somebody I'm going to worry about. I like Falcon because I like Sam Wilson, not necessarily the name and title of Falcon. So that's one of those things. But anyways, a lot of people just kind of got tired of Marvel. So when they did their whole legacy, they did the lengthier 3D variant covers. Um, So a lot of people passed. They didn't want to deal with the relaunch. They were tired. Then they've realized these stories have been fantastic. So now they're having to put them out there again because the secondary market is murder. Oh, my God. When you look for some of these covers, they're almost up to $50. That's ridiculous. Wow. Uh, but so anyways, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 793 is getting the reprint, which this story has been fun. Uh, it's pretty much the fall of Parker, so we're dealing with the aftermath. Um, so that was part one. We'll be getting issue 795, Amazing Spider-Man 795, which will continue it on. And we're marching along to 800, which will be laying the seeds for the Red Goblin and what was it? And... Uh, Get up fighting. Oh man, I can't remember what the story. Oh, was. swing uh, into the swing. Uh, in the swing of things, go out swinging. Go out swinging. I believe going so. out going swinging. Going out swinging. So that'll be neat. Um, Amazing Spider-Man: Renew Your Vows issue fourteen is getting a second printing again. You know why fourteen? That was probably the first legacy issue. So, like I said, a lot of people just kind of they ordered light. They didn't care. Oh, okay. And then now that we're two months into it, you're like, oh my god, this stuff's good. Because I'll admit, I'm going to be one of those fans that. I didn't care to buy the Captain Marvel book. I didn't care to buy the Thanos book. But now that I know that's where some of the Infinity Stones are mm. and the stories that are coming out of it, I'm kicking myself. You See, know? I wonder if the Renew Your Vows number 14 was the one where we, where they did the time jump. I believe it was. It, that must have been it. Yeah, because that, well, that was the first part of Legacy. So right, okay. That would have been the issue. So, yeah. Well, okay, you've read that, right? Mm-hmm. Did you like that? Did you feel the time jump went into the book seamlessly? or I did. Uh, I mean... I would have liked it if the book had stayed with the the 
I don't know how old she's supposed to be, like six year old. Yeah, I felt like she was like yeah, six to eight, like very yeah, very young. Right. I would like it if the stories had stayed longer that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they've jumped up to she she's in, in high, high school. school. So to me, it's a little bit too much like MCU or MC two exactly. You know? yeah. So we're getting we're getting to Mayday, but I'm usually, obviously she's Annie, and maybe I mean I'll probably end up liking it anyways because I love I used to love those Mayday stories, but. Uh, it's like this was your chance to be a little bit different and not go over that. But then you know, obviously they want they want her to be in the high school age, like where Peter started off in his book. So mm-hmm. we can do similar stories to that. And it's like, all right, we'll see what happens. But yeah, but I feel like it's that we've been down this road before. Right. You know, not necessarily. I mean, there are obviously differences, but it's like, well, if I'm going to read a high school Spider Woman, I did. I want May back. Yeah, I want to <laughs> go back to May. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, Astonishing X-Men number seven will be getting the second printing. That deals with Professor Xavier being alive and then taking over the body of Phantom Phantom X. X. So that's pretty crazy, trippy head stuff. Uh, Avengers 679, which continues on with the No Surrender arc. I've been flipping through this. I do need to sit down and read it. It sounds good and exciting, which I need from my Avengers. So they did this... And I guess I didn't realize it when I was doing my pre-orders or my solicits or whatever, but they made this so that it was a weekly event. Yes. See, and I guess I just wasn't paying attention. And I was like, I was doing last month or the month before that. And I was like, they're already up to number eight on on this No Surrender storyline? Where was I? And then I'm looking at it. It's like, oh, well, this was, you know, number eight, number yep. seven, number One, nine, two, three, number four, 10, number 12. Yeah, month. it's like, One, two, three, four, fuck. Right. Well, I guess I'll have to catch that in trades. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because honestly, I th- I would say like I think part one skyrocketed, and then we're and just the, getting more fallout from it all. And essentially, what they did is they just they're they're taking the the spot of the all the all the different Avengers books, right? Because yeah, you had USA Avengers, Uncanny Avengers, um, the Avengers book itself, and then oh, what the be new your Avengers one? No, it wasn't New Avengers because that one hasn't been around for a while. Um, Maybe it was just those three, and then they're pushing them like, "Hey, let's do a fourth. Book. Oh, okay. But there is something. I'm sure there's something. Um, uncanny? No, I already no, you're said uncanny. uncanny. Yeah, so I think that's just what oh, they did. Oh, uh, occupy, occupy Avengers. Yes, Thank you. That's you're what right. it was exactly because yeah. the Clint, Clint's kind of carrying that story in line over, so. which I think is neat that they didn't rob fans of those books by saying, "Okay, that story just ends." Some of those plots are still going on in, in these this. Books. Oh, okay, I didn't you know, know that. We still get to see the Uncanny team working together and doing what they can. Yeah, because my last issue of Uncanny seemed like it was the last issue or something like that. Like I was like, they did a good, nice tie-off. Yeah, but yeah, it's neat to see that. Okay, almost think of it as like maybe that writer and artist left. But in reality, they're just Moving branding over the book to, differently. Yeah. You know? But I did like that. The At least with Uncanny, it went nice. And then, meanwhile, in this new book, it's it's a nice crossover feel. But it's only its own book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, Wait. So <laughs> what number are we up to on, 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 on this Wednesday for the... So we'll be at 679. But for No Surrender, is it part... Oh, gosh. If this is the... So this is the first Wednesday of February. So this should be part five. Okay. So we've we've had five parts. What is the No Surrender storyline about? Uh oh, um, I, I you know haven't had a chance to read yeah, it. Yeah, like, I, I, mean, I, I read it the I read part one, and basically it was just like some catastrophic stuff is going on. Every and all Avengers are being called because that's what I thought was funny was Living Lightning, mm-hmm. who was like an Avenger in like the late eighties, early nineties or something. Not a very popular Avenger. He did maybe like twelve issues or something. So he's like. 
he's a secret agent now or not a secret, but like an FBI special agent. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, if I'm being activated as an Avenger, you know, things are bad. So it's just like end of the world scenario where any and all Avengers are teaming up to deal with it. Um, we start to delve deeper into the fact that there's this new Avenger. I think her name's Voyager. So we don't know anything about her, but apparently she was there from day one. Right. How come we don't remember her? How come we don't know about her? And then in the book, some of the Avengers will talk about her. You know, like Hercules is like, oh, yeah, I remember Voyager. She was great. And one or two other characters mention her as well. So I just I have bits and pieces of it. I don't know the overall. And I don't know if we talked about this before, but that they kind of repeating the whole century thing of she yeah, was the originally there and he's gone and and people remember him but that for some reason they don't remember him yeah right? triumph of dc comics did the same yeah. thing yeah you're you're right it's again it's that story the same road how is it going to be any different okay um one thing i like though when you and i were texting i thought this was funny and i didn't catch it so avengers right now is doing no surrender and then well, in about a yeah. month or two from now jla will be doing no justice <laughs> you know so i thought that's funny how it's again that that's at least symmetry in title who knows how the stories will right entail. exactly but honestly there could be some argument where it's like exactly here's the uncanny squad here's the you know the occupy squad here's the Avengers squad and all this and that and then with the no no justice you know brainiac is like okay heroes you've got to stop this big threat and of course it's like okay pick four justice leaguers and one villain four justice leaguers and one villain and then one team will specialize like here's the magic group here's the the sci-fi group here's the mystery group and things like that so it is kind of interesting but at the same time um i want to say i think it was cbr ran an article i didn't get to read it but i wanted to you know do beast boy and robin deserve spots on these teams and i i i'm curious to see what they say i would say no i don't think Damien is a Justice Leaguer. I'm sorry. He's he's a turd. He doesn't even deserve to be on Teen Titans. Beast Boy, you know, he should be a man by now. So I don't know if due to New 52 and then Rebirth, if he remembers his life or if he's just stuck in, you know, this young boy age. Or maybe that's been the curse is that he never really grows up. Well, then again, um, he's also, his ability is to change, is, is um he can change his molecular structure to like animals. And, well, and, right, and what's Mystique? A, a, shape, a shape changer. Shapeshifter, that's yeah. what a shapeshifter. So I mean, you know, Mystique can stay whatever age she wants because that's what she pictures herself. So that's true. same thing with him. You know, he could probably stay as a child forever because that's how he pictures himself. Okay, that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. Um, you know, because he is a very immature fellow. Right. So, but I again, I wouldn't say he's Justice League material. Not to say he's not heroic enough, but it, I like. I guess I just don't want to see them do it to Cyborg. I don't right. want them to lose that rich Titan history in favor of trying to put them in a more popular book that's going. And one of the stories that I read this week was uh, was the Super Sons of Tomorrow storyline. Is that what it's called? No. Yeah, the Super Sons of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, and, you know, and that book crosses over into the Teen Titans book, which I had dropped a while back. because, And one of the reasons is because I don't like the way they portray Beast Boy in that book. It just... it. I mean... I get the update with the whole social media thing, but he's he's a, he's really much a dick. Like he yeah. he doesn't he he really hates Damien, which is fine. I'm okay you, with that. Too. You can hate Damien. That's but it's just I don't know the way that he treats the rest of the team, the way that he just mouths off, the way that you know. I think one of the great things about Beast Boy was that how he was in awe of all superpowers. You know, like of other superheroes. Like he just really was fascinated by that world and those people and stuff. And now it's just like, 
he i mean maybe it's it's the sign of the times and it's the you know the age of the, the age of kids that that's supposed to be his age of having no attention span and you know wanting the the instant gratification and the social media and stuff like that but i i don't know i just I just don't like what they did with with Beast Boy, so that's no, why right, I don't like I that book. I feel like he's out of character. Yeah, but maybe you're onto something where it's like, well, but this is how we see teenagers now. And, mm-hmm. But I don't like it because I always felt he was an exception to the rule because he is. He's such a kind-hearted person mm-hmm. that you know he's a builder, not a downer. And then it's like, but you're making him act like a downer, which <laughs> totally is against everything I know about Garth. <laughs> All five pages of him. <laughs> <I remember. laughs> not my character, but do him this way. Damn it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so anyway, so yeah, I just, I, I appreciate that symmetry. No surrender, no justice. So now we just need a third party company to give us something that'll tie into that and we'll have a trilogy. <laughs> um, let's see here. We've got Black Panther and the Sound and Fury. Um, I, I'm not too sure exactly what this is about, but with, the, with them having it be part one, I know this is getting ready for Black Panther, the movie. which launches this month. I'm excited for it. So I'm sure with you Sound and everybody and Fury, else, what's that? <laughs> you and everybody oh my else. God, I know everybody like this is great. And I, okay, I'm going to touch on this and I hope it's so wrong. I hope it's just some BS or whatnot, but that sucks to know that there's comic book fans out there. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. We can tease each other, but don't realistically go down to beat each other. You know, well, what'd like, you hear? Okay. What'd you read? So there was this thing going on. Apparently, there's going to be a group of people, DC movie fans, that want to like put out a bunch of fake reviews saying oh. Black Panther sucks, so that way they could bring the Rotten Tomatoes score down. Look, if there is a Rotten Tomatoes conspiracy, let them shoot themselves in the foot. Never ever sink to the like value of your enemy. You know, like <laughs> I, I just th- that's so stupid. Are you saying Rotten Tomatoes is the enemy? <laughs> In this well, yeah, I can honestly, I, I guess because like to me, I've always had this opinion of crit, of critics. I'm not going to agree with them unless they exactly think the way I think, which sounds weird and very okay. egocentric. But it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I can go watch movies that like, okay, Punch Drunk Love. Uh-huh. I love that movie. And I hate that movie. Yeah. And every time I talk about it to people, they're like, what the hell is it? Or, oh, that was stupid. But I love it because it just, it clicked with me. Okay. It just, there was a moment in my life, maybe the relationship I was in, it just reminded me of that. Yes. The you best know? way, the best way to put it, if you, if you, and Richard puts it the best, I, you know, he he's, he said it for a long time, is that you find a critic or a reviewer that agrees with you first. Yeah. And then when they have a first opinion that you haven't come to yet, you can take that into advisement because you found someone that has the same type of taste as you. Why would yep. you want to listen to someone that has a different taste than you? It doesn't make any sense. You do, Yes, you should go and watch things that you don't agree with because you should open up your mind and open up your experiences and stuff, but don't go into it thinking, well, this guy said it was great, so I'm going to love it too, and then be like, well, I don't like that guy's taste anyway, so why would I love the same thing that he loves? Yeah, exactly. Like You know right off the bat, since you and them don't necessarily have the same taste, it's probably going to be a conflict. Right. So... You know, see stuff because you want to see it, see stuff to expand yourself. But again, you know, so that's why I've never held stock in Rotten Tomatoes. Well, like yeah. it makes me sad that when I buy a DVD every now and then, you know, they'll be it's like got certified it on there. fresh. And I'm yeah. like, who gives a shit? You know, well, like, some uh, people do. It, it's yeah. the weird thing. I don't, I don't put a lot of stock into Rotten Tomatoes either. I don't yeah. put a lot of stock into Metascores or, you know, any of that stuff. It's just, I know the people that I usually agree with and I'm like, and I and more often than not, I just go off of whatever I, I the opinion I have already made. Yeah, the trailer is going to help me. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, all right, if I was bored, I'll pass. If I really enjoyed it, I'll like it. And I love to be wrong. Like, uh, oh man, the 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 Kevin Branneth murder mystery that he just did. Oh, Murder on the Orient Express. Mur- yeah, exactly. I thought that trailing was bore. That trailer was boring as shit. 
I just was like, this trailer sucks. I'm probably going to hate this movie. <laughs> uh, luckily, two of my friends were like, we're going to go see it. So I went and tagged along. I liked it more than they did. Yeah. They were so excited to see it. And then at the end of it, I was like, this movie was great. <laughs> so I loved that was some of the best crow I ate. <laughs> you know, but yeah, to me, trailers are ultimately my predictor. But anyways, yeah, if you're going to be one of those fans, but yeah, don't what, do that. If, this is, you know? if that's something that's actually happening, I don't know, that, that also sounds like a, an internet rumor kind of thing. Well, it, but- sounds like, it, it sounds like most comic book is now, comic book news is nowadays where it's just like, ooh, one little thing happened. Let's, yeah. Let's exploit it. Like, exactly. There was one, and I, I, I'm derailing, and I apologize, but I just, again, this one drove me a little nuts. So Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, right. both Jewish gentlemen. Mm-hmm. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Is he? Uh, uh, is Superman a symbol for Christian mythology? Maybe. Is he a symbol for Jewish mythology? Maybe. Everybody, like, there's been so many people that have made Superman. And I know you always say, well, it starts with them. But he's so different than he was. <laughs> You know, so are you saying someone out there was against Superman because of his Jewish background? Or Jewish- I imagine there's been people out there. No, but what happened was, but what I found funny was somebody wrote this article. I think it was on CBR, and I'm not saying I didn't dislike the article, but I just thought I found it amazing how they took a couple little words and then they ran so far differently with it. So Bendis, who is also Jewish, he is writing Superman right now, and they're like, "Oh, Superman's going to go back to his Jewish roots and all this and this and this and that." And I'm like. How did you see that? Because Bendis never said that. He just said, yeah, I'm working on the origin. Mm. You know, I mean, John Byrne is British. I'm not sure of his religion, or maybe he might even not necessarily follow religion. That didn't mean Superman became a certain way. It became, he was raised with these values of the Kents. And the Kents weren't even vital to the Superman story during Siegel and Shuster's run. I mean, the Kents pretty much, I don't, actually, I don't even think they were named. Like, I mean, we knew they were the Kents, but we didn't know they were John and Martha. Okay. So, I mean, everybody's added a lot of new history. Of course. And, I mean, it's 80 years. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so much to it. So, I just found it funny how they were like, oh, you know, I mean, Grant Morrison tried it, but it didn't work. And it was kind of like, why? Why didn't it work? So, I just felt like they, they, they were taking this and going in such a far way off of words that weren't really established. It was yeah. like they picked at pieces. So, same thing. I feel like that's what this comic book news is where it's like, okay, yeah, you know what? If you want to give bad, Black Panther a bad review, fine, go for it. If but, you didn't like it, but that's do it up because to you. you didn't like but do it. Do it because you didn't like right. it. Don't try to anticipate and do a smear campaign because you wouldn't like it if it was done that way for DC. Don't do it to Marvel. Don't do it to both. Just enjoy because honestly, I you know, luckily I don't think I've ever really been like I'm a hundred percent Marvel. I'm a hundred percent DC. I've always been. I love them both. Mm-hmm. But I know this, and I know this for fact. When Marvel's doing great, DC's doing great. When DC's doing great, Marvel's doing great. Why? Because they beat the shit out of each other, and I win. You know, I win. And when I win, I love it. So, yes, make the movies better for both sides. Why? Because then we get more movies. Yeah, you You know, know? I I, I would say that maybe I hold up DC a little bit higher than Marvel. you You could sit there and say that I'm more of a DC fan, but I like to think that I'm a fan of both. I'm just a fan of great stories. Whether they come from which whichever side, like I, Identity Crisis Civil, and Civil War, two of my favorite stories of all time, Kingdom Come and uh, Secret War, great two stories, you know. Right, right. But it, if you come, we go to the movies. Is it any? Is, I mean, is there really any debate that Marvel's killing it and DC is just kind of like? Failing right now? No, oh, no I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. And, <laughs> and trust me, I wanted more than any anything to love Wonder Woman as much as everybody seemed to have. I just didn't. I didn't have that connection or whatever to that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I want 
every every DC movie coming out from this point to do better. Oh, of course. Maybe maybe I'm putting in too high of a expectation for it. Maybe, but these are eighty year old characters. You know, I I don't see why you can't figure this out. <laughs> well, you're right. Like it, it's one of those things. I think Marvel, but I would but I wouldn't go down to to. Black or Black Panther and be like, well, obviously this movie sucks, and because I love DC more, but because yeah. that's just dumb. No, it is. It's, it's a go in there because ultimately you're selling yourself out on great story. Yeah, you know, like you said, and that's that's what comic books are. They're a great story, and it's just one of those things where I wish DC would stay true to their characters. Marvel stays true to their characters, and it's beautiful. You know, I mean, yes, we have seen some changes. We're starting to see that now. Why? Because the movies are becoming something else. They're getting so big, you know, so it's like, okay, there's going to be some changes in here. But ultimately, you know, when I look at Bruce Banner on that screen and I look at Bruce Banner on my comic book page, they're the same guy. But when I look at Clark Kent on my movie screen, I look at Clark Kent on my comic book page, they aren't necessarily matching. And I know people are going to be like, well, but there's this one page and this one panel. Yeah. You remember when Joker had that stupid dragon tattoo on him? Exactly. It was stupid, and that's why it doesn't exist anymore. So please keep making your little picture collages and tell me, well, it's fact because it's a comic book. Yeah, and and so even that Elseworlds. book does it, is, is that Elseworld. It's not part of the... the it may Batman. happen, actually. Uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, I think it was Batman Confidential, and I don't which think- is a weird book because... They're, well, the now we got so, three jokers, you know, so you, it could have been one of the true, three. Yeah, you know. But anyway, so but so anyways, this book is coming out. Um, it's kind of neat because it's it's obviously dedicated to the movie fan. So if you're a movie fan and you want some more information, this is just going to be a Panther versus Claw story, which is fantastic. And it comes with a reprint of Fantastic Four issue fifty three, which is basically, if I remember correctly, the origin of Claw. So you're going to get a lot of information, which is so funny because I think of Claw as a daredevil uh, villain just because of that one issue and that's the first time that i really read a book with claw in it like i'd seen the fantastic four cartoon that way they introduced black panther and he's fighting claw in that but for me claw was a daredevil villain until now i know he made his first (laughs) appearance in black panther well it's funny how that works you know i was thinking about that i was talking with a younger fan and you know it's funny some people will be like no asriel is the batman and it's like what you know like what were you reading well i read these batman comics and his secret identity was gene paul valley and you know and it's like okay that makes sense because that's when you came in you came in at night's end and night night quest you know so it makes sense that you know that hey i'm the biggest asriel fan out there i would never sit there and tell you that asriel is the batman or the batman is john paul valley no exactly but at the same time though who's the second asriel uh michael lane what do you feel on that? Yeah, he's not the best. Exactly. He's not Azrael. You know, so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, that was my Azrael and I get it. You know, well, because we, we meet these characters, but that's what's beautiful is you learn more history. Because I'm the same way. It was funny. We were talking about Blue Beetle earlier. You know, when I think Blue Beetle, I think Ted Cord right off the bat. You know, why? Because that was the first Blue Beetle I met. But not Dan Garrett. Not Dan Garrett. And not and, Jaime Reyes. And, 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 and Jaime, when Jaime came about, I mean, I guess it was just the way Ted was taken down. It right. It was a bittersweet thing, you know. Um as time continues, I really want to touch on this argument again with Flash because there's a lot there and well, there's a great story. I mean, I, and I know you want to touch on it later, but I was just say I was just thinking about that right now. I was like, Wally was the Flash when I came in, right? But the way that that Barry has been forced onto me so much now between comic book, TV show, and now movie, right? I, I kind of have to just go with Barry as the Flash. Like I, I love Wally so much more than I love Barry, yep. but. It's just like if someone says the Flash, the first thing, first name that comes to my mind now is Barry. Yeah, which 
kind of sucks. Yeah, because Wally, Wally really like. I'm, I gotta, I gotta push myself. So I'm gonna say it here. So hopefully I'll do it. I want to write an article about Barry and Wally. And uh, Wally fans, I want you to know that I get it because it happened to me with Hal. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Kyle came along <laughs> and just, and it My wasn't Kyle's Lighter. fault though. It wasn't. Kyle was a great character. It was just I was so mad at the books. Right. I was so mad at the editor. I was so mad at the writer. I was so mad because it's like you know the death of Superman. What six issues? Funeral for Rain, Rain of Superman. Beautiful story. Uh, Batman, Nightfall, 18 parts to it, uh, then two sequels, Night Quest and Night's End. Green Lantern, Emerald Twilight, three forced issues. <laughs> Get it done. Why? Because we want to take advantage of that anniversary. And it was so just shock, awe, and disgust. And, uh, you know, it took 10 years till he finally came back. And Wally fans, you're going through it, so I just want you to know where I'm there for you. <laughs> and that's and that's the the I, I think the only place that I I mean okay I don't read Flash comics so I don't know what's going on in that storyline. Uh, the only place that I see Wally right now is in Titans. Yeah, and I enjoy him, but what? Who is he? They just call him Wally in that. They don't call him Flash. They don't call him Kid Flash. So yeah. does he have a name right now? Well, is, he is Flash. He's, are they calling him yep, Flash? Just is. like when they did his rebirth or. The Flash Rebirth. Flash Rebirth, Barry, yeah. yeah. And Barry came back and said, oh, no, we're both Flash. Don't yeah. worry about that. You're not the Nightwing to my Flash because you are Flash. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All so right. They're both Fair Flash. enough. Yeah. I just wanted to know. Yeah. But no, but we, I, we, I would love to have this conversation with you. That's why I'm, I'm going to be getting copies and I'm going to be like, you need to read this Flash story because the Flash <laughs> War. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but it's beautiful. Uh, okay. So marching along, uh, Black Panther, Sound and the Fury. Check that out if you're going to watch the movie and you want a little bit more history. It'll make it more rich for you. Captain America 697 and Daredevil 596 will be getting second prints. Again, this starts the legacy era for those characters. Um, and Daredevil 596 is great. Why? Because it's the Mare Fist story arc, which continues into Daredevil 598, which will also be available this Wednesday. So pick up 597. Um, we're going to get one of the best new characters, Muse. He is a sick psych- Like This is like a this is Cletus Kelly, Cletus Cassidy, uh, the Carnage character. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is um, Zazis. I always say his name wrong, but the guy in Batman who cuts himself yeah, when he kills somebody. Zaz. Zaz. Um, this character is on that level. He's a psychopathic murderer who has his tick on why he does it. Great character. So um, I think we're going to see a team up between uh, Fisk and this character, Muse. So this is some great stuff. Uh, Daredevil Shadowland Omnibus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I love my collected edition. Ultimately, it's the best one because I was like, oh, I, I cherry picked what I wanted in there. But this gives you everything. So I'm going to be that guy who's like a lot of people hated this story. I liked it. I thought it was great. I would recommend give it a second chance. Or if you haven't, give it a chance because it's going to be worthwhile. Deadpool by Daniel Way Omnibus Volume 1. So that was a great era of Daredevil. I know a lot of people liked him. So here's the start of a collection. Give yourself a shot with it. Doctor Strange 383, second print will be out there. Uh, Infinity Countdown, Adam Warlock number one. Yes, this is one of those big Marvel books. Why? Because this Infinity Countdown, we've got a big a big movie coming out in May. So the words Infinity definitely mean something. So Adam Warlock is a great Marvel comic book character, rich history, but he's also been gone for a really long time. So it'll be interesting to see where he's been and where he's ultimately going to go. Invincible Iron Man by Brian. Invincible Iron Man by Brian Michael Bendis hardcover. Um, he's been doing some great stuff with the character. It's great to see him back on the character. So this was some of his original stuff. Because if I remember correctly, it was Bendis who decided to be like, "Hey, let's say his parents were some other people." 
So that's kind of interesting. So this will be one of his earlier runs. Um, we have Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur issue 25 getting a second print. Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 298. Punisher 219 all getting second printings as well. Rise of the Black Panther Part 2 of 6. This will basically be kind of the new origin story. So if you're a fan of the movie, you'll probably want to go get issues 1 and 2. So you can have that as you go in. Rogan Gambit number 2 is out there. Part 2 of 5. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of them anymore because I, had, I, I knew them in the 90s when they were together and they had their brown jackets. They've <laughs> become so different as characters to True. me that I don't know who they are. So I don't care about this miniseries. But if you're a fan, chime in. Let me know. Is it worth a watch? Is it worth a read? I would like to find out. Runaways, issue six is out there. I know they've got the show. What do you think of the show? Have you been watching? Yes, I have. still have the last three episodes to watch. The show is good. Um, it follows the the first story arc, I want to say, uh, right. of, of, the, of, the, of the comic book. Good? Well, somewhat. I mean, there, there are parts that they obviously changed. It's the whole, you know, we can't say the word mutants thing, you know. Oh, okay, instead gotcha. of instead of having, like, I don't know. Instead of having time travelers, they do, it's, it's, it's everything's, everything is science-based. Instead of magic, it's science-based magic kind of thing. Oh, okay. And the, the kid actors, and this is just the hard part because kid actors are hard to find. Or good ones, I should say. Yeah. And the parents are really great. I, I really enjoyed the parents part. Maybe that's just a sign of me getting older, <laughs> but I just mean acting wise. The, the the actors they got to play the parents, I thought, I think are doing a great job. Right. And would I have liked to see them stick a little bit closer to the storyline that I saw in the comic book? Yes, but what I am seeing in the in the show is actually really good. So okay. I I need to watch those last three episodes. I just haven't gotten around to it, and uh, I will give you a, a full more full review of it. Yeah, we need to talk about. Some However, I have been reading the new volume. And I don't like the characters in that. Oh, okay. Well, this would be that. This would be the sixth issue of that. Yes. So, not a fan of what. Now, are they new characters? Are they the same characters? No, it's a, it's like, the same what's characters. Going on with Beast Boy, then? Yeah. Maybe that's exactly. Just it? Yeah. It's mm. it's it's new characters, and they're all supposed to be two to three years older than when they first their characters were first created, were first showed up. Uh, I don't know if there's like a volume somewhere that I missed because I thought I collected everything having to do with the. the I think runaways. there is something missing. I but think I th- they did yeah. like a mini somewhere along the and line. And I think there's somewhere that I'm missing because they they have a big change and some characters are missing in this and like I, I don't know I don't know what's going on so yeah. that maybe that's what it is but th- I don't know the, whoever's writing it right now I, I feel like they didn't get the same they're not getting the same tone that Brian K Vaughn had. I can see that because it's. I don't think it is Brian K. Vaughn, and I feel not to sound mean to the creative behind it because creative work is hard to do. But I feel like this is like, hey, we got a show coming, make it happen, put a book out. That could, yeah, you know, that could, so I could see that. That's one of those things where it's, it wasn't somebody said, hey, I love these characters, I want to make a story. It's we need work, do it. Yeah. So okay, well, well, that'll be interesting to talk later on with. Um, Spider Man issue two thirty seven is out there, and this is going to be Miles dealing with his own Sinister Six and more of the. Uh, the Civil War Spider-Man armor suit being out there as its own character. So I would definitely love to see what's going on there. And I really want to know what's going on with Spidey or what's going on with Miles. Because this, what, what is it? Spy D? Mm. You know? I mean, yeah, it's cute and that's catchy. But 
Come on, just let him be Spider-Man. What, what is this? <laughs> what is this? I'm going to say that four more times and I'll spare you, but here we go. Um, Spirits of Vengeance Part 505 comes out. I've been enjoying this story. I don't like the art. I'm sorry. I mean, this I don't guy like the art either. Than I can, but I just do not like this art. So anyways, that's out there. I would recommend it. Um, Thanos 14 and Venom 159 get second printings. So those books are out there. Obviously, Thanos... Uh, his storyline's been doing great with Thanos seeing future Thanos and this future Ghost Rider, Punisher, Herald. Yeah. Frank Castle's been everything in the Marvel U future character. Uh, that's been wild. And then obviously Venom's going to be getting a lot of action because we've got a movie coming out. He's going to be flipping everywhere. It's ridiculous. Um, so anyways, Venom 159 will get the second printing and 161 will be coming out. X-Men Gold issue 21 will be out there. And then X-Men Red number one will be out there. So this is the Jean Grey team, and they're going to be going out there. Um, if you have to pick, what would be the next color for X-Men? What do we do? So we got good gold, blue, and uh, and red. So I would say the next color would have to be black. So X-Men Black. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's the Storm book maybe? Or, or no, Bishop's not leading a team. I mean, you didn't have to go with a black character. No, but I'm thinking like, <laughs> but I, the thing is, I, I'm trying to think. I was because well, like, I was thinking okay. about the new X Men when they did the Matrix looking outfits or you know the black and gold outfits. Oh, like the Grant Morrison era. Yeah, so I mean Ooh. that's that's you could do that there. You could do with the X Force team that had the black and gray outfits. So if you wanted to do, I mean, you could do Storm. You could do. So they're going to be your Black Ops team. Yeah. Okay, no, I think I like that better. No, I still want Bishop leading that. Though. That would be awesome. I'd give him a squad and. You know, because, uh, like, I don't know, because to me, I see gold. Well, obviously, blue and gold comes from the 90s. Right. Um, Where does red come from? Just because of Phoenix? Just because of Jean Grey, red I hair. I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't know where the color comes from with it. It doesn't make sense because we've never really had anything red associated the other, with it. The other one that I was going to say was green, because, but I thought of, because I was thinking of, uh, well, the Phoenix outfit was green. Oh, the green and gold and color. And then pattern. there was a uh, Rogue's outfit that's green, the, her, her onesie jumpsuit. Oh, from back in the day, yeah. Well, isn't that the newer one? She does. I remember she did have a green and white one with a green yeah. cape. Yeah, and a green uh, hoodie. hoodie too, yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's had that. She's had a couple. So I don't know, but it's it's interesting and like it's funny because I guess we do have four X Men books because we've got Astonishing out there and then blue, gold, and red. And red, yeah. You know, but it's I don't know. The color theme would have been better, and you know it would be tough. So maybe yeah, what, you, you what go would black Astonishing and, be silver? Oh God, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I'll take silver. Yeah, I'll give it that. I don't know. Yellow, <laughs> uh, yeah. but that's gold, so never yeah, mind. I don't yeah. know, but yeah, so that's your spinner rack. That's all the books coming out there. So, kind of a tough week, I'll admit. You know, a lot of reprints. So, if you're missing stuff, now's the time to strike. Um, a lot of good part ones of your stories are out there. When I shop, if for the, for the new, co- new collector, what I would recommend is if you're going to get the reprint, that's obviously part one. See if you can find part two at a decent price. If you can, then commit so that way you've got parts one, two, and three. Well, I want to say is for a lot, uh, if you're a new collector, to jump on right now, right now, this first half of the year is probably a good place for a lot of books because you're hitting all those milestone numbers. You're hitting yeah. 800 for Spider-Man, uh, 1,000 for Action, uh, Captain America 700, Captain America 700, Iron Man 600, I think. Avengers with this new once one one a week is going to be hitting 700 pretty quick. Yeah, 700 pretty quick. So I, I would say, I mean, those are the issues. Either those are the issues you want to jump on on, or the one right after that is the one you're going to want to jump on because yeah, that's true. Because they would be the those start the of a new stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like okay, thanks for being here. Uh, what was it? We, we got spoiled. We know Batman 50s coming. That's going to be the wedding, I guess. Yep. And I'm excited because this DC Nation Zero book, 
Oh my God. <laughs> I've heard the about Joker. this. What, what's going on with this book now? So basically, this is your primer book. And it's kind of interesting because I was looking at stuff because also speaking of doing our orders, I, I got to choose my, my free comic books for free comic book. Day. Oh, so did I. Yeah. And the DC one sucked. I was kind of like, oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, one is just a straight reprint and one is the DC superhero girls, which is great. I'm, I'm not your market. You know, um, but I was like, oh, well, what, what am I going to choose? And I always know, you know, I, I usually do two DC, two Marvel, and, and I've got the set. Uh, the two Marvel books definitely lead into their storylines. The DC ones were just, like I said, a reprint and whatnot. So DC Nation is going to be the book where it's at. It's going to be like 25 cents. Uh, you'll have Tom King and one of his artists. I'm not sure. I forget who. They're going to be basically showing the Joker's reaction to finding about Batman and Catwoman being married. So mm. I think that's exciting because people are talking about the wedding in the DCU. <laughs> oh, my God. Who spilled the beans? Because I don't see Clark and Lois being like, oh, you know. Well, like, the thing is, is that we lo- Okay. And what we can talk about this in because this is what I read this week. Okay. I read the, the double date issue of Batman where, uh, you know. Clark and Clark, Lois, Bruce, and, Lois and Selena go right. on, on a double and, date. And the original time that I, when that book, well, the one right before that, the one where he, the the four couple or the two couples are talking about whether or not they should talk to each other, the Superman and Batman should talk to each other and call who should call first. Uh, that got spoiled for me online. Like someone had posted the whole thing, and I, I just read it there before I actually got it in the mail. And I told you I read that, and I was floored. I was floored by it reading it the first time. The part where uh, Batman and Superman are both comparing themselves to each other and saying neither one of them is worthy to the other one yeah, like, just gets me so to the point that I had to tweet it. I tweeted out that page. I wrote, you know, I th- I tagged Tom King in it. And I was like, look, this is fucking phenomenal. What you did here, it makes me, you know, feel all the feelings. Now, uh, the next issue is the double date issue. And, you know, Lois Lane... I think probably has the big should have the biggest concern because she is a human. She can hold her own. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. She she's been in danger. She knows how to take care of herself. She comes from the military family. You know, she can take care of herself. But we're talking about a supervillain world. Catwoman is on the edge of supervillain, not supervillain. Anti-hero. <laughs> she is an anti-hero, but she has been a bad guy, you know? Yeah, very much we, so. And, and maybe that's what this book is doing. It's rewriting that history. I mean, because that's very much what they did with the whole, she killed 975 people or whatever that number was. Yeah. And, oh no, it wasn't actually her. It was her friend from when she was younger that actually did and she kind of took the blame for it. But she is a villain. She does hang out with other villains. I mean, Gotham City Sirens is her... Carly Quinn and uh, Poison and Poison Ivy. You can't tell me that Poison Ivy's not a killer. She's not a villain. Yeah, Poison's so, pretty bad. At one point, she's like, "Oh, hey, I'm marrying Batman." She's talking to Harley and and fucking Poison Ivy, and and that gets back to Joker. However, it does, you know. Well, that's what's going to be interesting. Who's the leak? You know, because I'm Lois just, is going to be like, "Okay, well, my 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 reporter instincts want to take over." But I, I, I felt like you're a cool friend. Yeah. Clark is not going to break that bound because he's going to be like, look, I know this has Superman, so I'm not going to give it out that way. But Lois has no reason to be like, well, you're conflicted to that because you're Superman and Clark. I'm just Lois. Yeah, but she's you also, know? she's Lois and she's Clark. She's Lois and Clark. She well, yeah, is she's married got the code to, of yeah, silence. Exactly. So it's like it's implied. And, and I mean, she doesn't, I mean, yeah, she, she, she did the whole Superman interview and stuff, but I, I always figure her stories are more global and government stuff. She doesn't waste her time with puff pieces. Well, not puff pieces, but like superhero community, right? 
Do you see she does? It's I don't know. It's tough because she gets to be the vehicle sometimes, though. Yeah, you she know, does. She's, she's, You're right. When the writer wants that, like, why are there, Why should there be a Superman and why should there be the Justice League? She's always the one who writes that article, so it feels like she... But you're right. I feel like her character naturally is like, I live in a world of superpower people. I don't care. I care about what the humans are doing to each mm-hmm. other. You know, did you know your government's doing this? Right. Did you know this tycoon is doing that? Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that these stories are so fantastic that it does involve superheroes. Because the world involves superheroes. Yeah, you know, but that's the only reason why. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't But I mean, like- she obviously, I mean, look at look at the funeral uh funeral for a friend. Yeah. I mean, you have Bruce Wayne, Oliver Queen, uh all these uh, Ted Cord, these millionaire industrialists all showing up to Clark Kent's or Superman's wedding, uh, funeral, you know, she would have the perfect opportunity to out all these people. Yeah, yeah, but she could. She's not going to because that's not that's not her. Yeah. So well, I, I get yeah. what you're saying, and then I also say, you know, this is the, it has to be someone on on Catwoman's side. It, it, oh, it definitely it, has the to leak be has to come out of there. I, I like what you just did with that Gotham City Sirens. I think that's the perfect book to have that exploitation. Yeah. And then it could do... And, you know, it'd be kind of neat. I was just thinking about it. I was like, oh, that'd be kind of neat. And I, I and I hope, you know, a moment ago I didn't come off mean when we said X-Men Black. And I was like, oh, it should have been Storm or, <laughs> or Bishop. You know, but... It's more of a joke you know, than well, it is, I wasn't but, trying to you know, be. But, but it's one of those things that I feel bad because sometimes my brain thinks that way. And I don't think it's a... Like... Sometimes it's just how my brain thinks. So, okay. You know, if somebody gets offended, I'm not meaning in an offensive way. So maybe you're choosing to. But I, I thought it would be neat where we could have like Gotham City Sirens and Birds of Prey cross over. Oh. Like they're both in the DC universe. And I'm not just saying again, oh, they're the girl team, so they should team up. But that would be a great book because you do have a lot of chemistry between Catwoman and being in the middle of both of those teams. So that'd be the neat thing where it's like maybe she tells the Birds of Prey, maybe she tells the Sirens. And then when she finds out it gets out, it's like, who told? I told you as my friend why it's out there. Doesn't she work on the Birds of Prey team sometimes? Sometimes she does pop in like guest appearances and whatnot. Oh, okay. You know, where it's like, oh, hey, we anniversary issue or let's let's have that crossover. Don't they, don't, doesn't the Birds of Prey have a villain on their team? Am I, not I, that I'm I aware of, but I'm not reading the book. It's Huntress and... It's usually Huntress, Black Canary, and Oracle, a.k.a. Batgirl. Batgirl, yeah. So it's usually those three. Didn't they add in uh, Lady Blackhawk? Lady Blackhawk. They did. She was on that, but, but that was, again, that's probably got, post or pre-Flashpoint. I was going to say, yeah. Know, so I don't know what's going on. Because Lady Blackhawk is Shayura now, right? Yeah. And I don't think that'll be lasting for long. <laughs> I think they'll just be like, hey, it's Hawk Girl. She's back. Um which I'm fine with because I want that JSA to return. I feel bad because I want my JSA, not necessarily the Justice Society, you know, but it's, it's tough. But I will state I do want Terry Sloan to be a hero again. Terry Sloan, the original, the original Mr. Mr. Terrific. Terrific. Yeah. Um, they did him kind of dirty in Earth 2. I mean, it was cool. I mean, he's a horrible villain. You know, but it's to the point where it's like, I feel like it's a Max Lord type of thing. Ah, uh, okay. You know, where it's like, he was just always this character and now you've made him something else. For Max Lord, it worked because, uh, at least in my opinion, he wasn't anything special. You know, but when they're doing that to Terry Sloan, the original Mr. Terrific, it's like, well, then how do you explain the origin of Terry Holt? Because Terry Holt, you know, he was a man, his family was killed in a car crash. He took um, on the name because he, he admired. Name. Yeah, you know, so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, well, but if there was no Mr. Terrific before him, how does that work? So you've got some explaining to do, New 52, <laughs> but Rebirth will help you fix it. There you go. But anyways, well, let's continue on. So what were you reading? So you okay. told us that the, the double Batman, date issue. Yeah, those, those issues that were great. That was a great. beautiful one. Did uh, you um, – I, I just – I loved that issue. I thought there was great symmetry there, obviously. <laughs> it, 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 I thought it was great. Uh, I love Batman – or sorry, I love Clark Kent wearing the Superman costume with the I glasses say, on still. Well, I just want to say that that, that – 
that part of the story got really confusing for me. Like, <laughs> I, I know he's still wearing the glasses, but it just... Seeing uh, Bruce Wayne in the Superman outfit, I still kept thinking that Superman talking. I'm like, wait, that no, that's not right. It's yeah, like, yeah. It was very... I don't know. It was, it was a weird disconnect in my brain uh, having to read that issue. No, it's tough. Um, I'll admit, you know, like at first when I was going through, but then it was like, okay, I had to tell myself little reminders, like look for the spit curl. Okay. Right. Yes. Spit curl's not talking. So that's Bruce. Or they do. Or, I mean, or Bruce, Bruce has all those you know? scratches and cuts on his, on his face and stuff. So that's not Superman. Cause you know, Superman can't get hurt that way. Yeah, so yeah. it was, it, it was, it was just a, it was a good is- issue. It really was. It I was mean, fun. It was so much fun. And yeah, the whole, uh well the baseball I, thing yeah I could I could I could strike you out he's like no you couldn't and he's like I'd hit you I'd hit the bat I hit the ball he goes well and then when he's explaining it to Catwoman later he's like well as soon he throw it so fast that the ball would become uh you know it would it would disintegrate because he's throwing it so fast that wouldn't count against me because it's not a strike you know it's like Batman's coming at it in a totally like mathematical physics way <laughs> he's like he has to throw it fast enough so that I can at least see it so that means. I ha- it, it, you know I should still be able to hit it and like it, Superman's just like no I can throw it fast because I'm Superman and it's just like so childish but you know so great but it's because of two of them yeah, yeah. you know it's, and I, well I felt it was fun because that reminded me that's how we were as fans yeah I mean I it, it's fine because like if you look at Marvel comics this Marvel did this especially every time the heroes met they fought you know Spider Man meets the Fantastic Four well he had to break in and he had to fight him. <laughs> and he was like, well, but I want to join your team, you know. The Avengers, hey, maybe we'll get the Spider-Man guy. So they fought each other. <laughs> and it's funny because you're just like, God, you know, like as a kid, when you first read this, it was amazing. But now we've grown up and we're like, well, but they're all friends. They wouldn't do that. It's stupid. You know, because I remember having a talk, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Richard. Richard's one of our friends. He does a lot of podcasts. Um, gosh, which the, and that, uh, that's entertaining. Oh, we were we are we entertained. are entertained. Sorry, we well, he also does the one with me. You know, the Mitch that's right. He does the Mitch and Rich one, so he does a lot of work with us. And but it was funny because I remember at the time him and I were really talking a lot. And um, uh, Batman versus Superman came out, so of course my initial thought is they're not going to fight. Why would they fight? But I forgot. Oh, this is the first time they're really meeting, you know. And so he was like, "Well, I think you know," and he gave me a good opinion. I was like, "Oh, that's right," because this is the first time you're getting to see this. For me, I'm not, but. I, I should have enjoyed that magic. So I felt this issue brought some of that magic back to where superheroes kind of like, you know, Thing and Hulk were always great about that. You know, stupid, yeah. stupid rock, man. <laughs> Shut up, Hulk, you know? <laughs> right, right. You know, so it was just neat to see that, revisit that that part of what makes comics comics. And so, you know, I want to touch back on uh, the, the part that I talked about with the, the whole, um, the two of them respecting each other so much or looking up to each other so much. Uh, when I did tweet out that photo, um, I just took a picture of the actual page and stuff like that. I did get a response from random Twitter person. I don't know, oh, nice. you know, whatever. Uh, and he he essentially said that he didn't understand it. He didn't understand the the. He loved the issue too, but he didn't understand the the rivalry. I guess the way that I described it between right. Superman and Batman in the issue. He said, uh, you know, with the way that they're portrayed now, even if you look at metal, the two of them consider each other brothers. You know, why would they have this problem of not being able to talk to each other? Uh, and I said, you know what? Actually, let me see if I can actually find the actual uh, tweet. Um, so why don't you talk about something else that you read this week? Okay, well, look, okay. so the first thing that pops to my mind, what did I read this week? Uh, Flash Annual Number 1. So this is the post-rebirth Flash era. And it made me, again, this is why I want to write that letter about to, it's for the Wally fans. Uh, as a Hal Jordan fan, 
Wally West is a great character. I mean, you got to understand when I was big into comics, and I still am, but when I was first starting in comics, it was not what it is today. You know, you didn't have trade paperbacks and hardcovers coming out weekly. Uh, collected editions were rare. They were spectacular. Um, so to to think back about what the world of the 90s or what Flash looked like post-1986, it was Wally West. It was a young kid growing up into being a hero, and it was tough because it was kind of like the Shazam thing where why does Captain Marvel look like Captain Marvel? Because he thinks of his father, so that's why he looks like his father as a heroic man. So when Wally would put on the costume, he was trying to be Barry, and it was just great to watch him grow up, and it was great to see him surpass Barry. So it was bittersweet because, of course, for me, the Flash was Barry. But then I learned to like Wally because I thought he was an amazing character. He upheld the legacy and he did all these amazing things. He reformed the rogues. They weren't necessarily evil. They were just shenanigans. But he helped them by, you know, working things out. Great hero. Did a lot time and time again. Um, And so it was funny because if you ever went to the store and you were like, hey, I want to buy some Flash collections. What do you got? It was all Wally. And then it's like, well, what if I wanted Barry? Well, then that's where you had to go to the archives because that was all you got. But now it's like everything since, what was it? Was it 2006? Was that when Flash Rebirth happened? No, I think it was later than that. Maybe 2010? Yeah. Something like that. But when Flash Rebirth happened and that gave us the return of Barry Allen, I was excited because I wanted Barry back. But I'm going to be honest with you, it's not the Barry I know. No. So this issue has been tackling something that, I was wondering if I was the only person who thought about it. And it's great because Wally deserves more. Wally West deserves more. He's done a lot. You know, I'm excited to see the new Wally West grow up and, and add to the mythos of the Flash. I'm excited that Barry's back, but Wally just got shoehorned out in such a bad way. And this issue was fantastic because it is dealing with that. So this Flash War, this is part one. I think it's going to continue in a, a month or two from now. But do yourself a favor. It was on the stands this last Wednesday. Pick it up. Read it. It's beautiful. Uh, go out if if the only Flash you know is Barry Allen because of the new CW show, or because of the comics post New Fifty Two, but or don't miss movie. out on the character. Or that's true. Or the movie, you know, don't miss out on the character of Wally West. Go back, read all that stuff that was out there. Terminal Velocity. Um, and I would say, yeah. and not to cut you off, but I would say that the Wally West that they, or the Barry Allen that they're using in Justice League is more Wally West. Oh, than it is. Barry Allen. It is. I mean, I I one hundred percent agree with you. You know, he's just got that because Barry to me was always the guy with the crew cut, the bow tie, the comic book collection, the CSI guy. And he was just a great character. He was real down to earth. And Wally was kind of a screw up. And, you know, he was the guy, you know, he may be saving somebody and then he'll look and be like, "Ooh, there's a good looking woman. You know, it's like focus, Wally. You know, he was an overgrown man child, Mm -hmm. but he was great for that. And, you know, it, we, we don't have him anymore. So I just, I loved that issue. Uh, did you find that, that tweet? I well, did. and not to cut this one short, sorry. I'm going to take that moment for this. This Flash War is going to be beautiful. Um, I hope this does well enough that we get two Flash books because I want Wally to have his own book. I think he should. Uh, so he do yourself a favor. I believe it's Josh Williamson. Joshua Williamson, he's writing this. Howard Porter drew it. And with Howard Porter back on the book, I think that tickles my nostalgia even more because Howard Porter is the JLA artist in my mind. Because that's the era I read. But the man's art is still amazing. And if anything, it just gets better with time. So he's he's grown as an artist. It shows. He draws beautiful stuff. Uh, this continues a little bit from the running scared arc, which 
you know, the button happened, so I picked up a couple issues, Color of Fear and then Running Scared. It was one of my 2017 picks, so this is neat to kind of see a spiritual successor, and I hope it does great. Support it, buy it. Um, I'll throw my promise out there. Buy Flash Annual number one. If you don't like it, I'll buy it for you. <laughs> I already came over to Mitch's, and I gave him a copy. <laughs> All right, what you got? So there, uh, back on uh, <laughs> five days ago from when I rec- we were recording this, it said, Are you kidding me, Tom King, with this issue? The two biggest icons in comics – Feeling uh, they each don't measure up to to the other. This is literally perfect. Hashtag, I'm not crying, you're crying. Then we have Dukatentek. I don't know. He's at D-T-K-A-N underscore T-E-K. He says, although really good, what I really don't understand is there are already several cases that these two had accepted each other as quote-unquote brothers, even in the metal issues. But suddenly they don't see each other as friends, just doesn't add up. Uh, I repeat, and then I came back to, to answering him. I mean, not with any malice, just literally just wanting to talk. Yeah, keep the dialogue going. I don't know. I think in this in the issue they do see each other as friends and even brothers, but neither one wants to admit that the that they need the other. Maybe it's a macho male thing, or maybe it, as Tom depicts it, they don't believe they measure up to the other. Well, that's how I read it. And I, I just, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take away from their relationship of being brothers or, or friends from this issue. Not at all. I would say that they respect each other too much. Like they literally are putting, just like if you have an older brother that you've always looked up to, you, you would sit there and be like, maybe that's the person that you try to, to live your life to be. And that's what it, to, that issue looks like to me. He, when he's, when Batman's talking about Clark, he says, his whole planet died. He never got to know his parents. I at least got to know my father, mother and father before they died. Right. And he, he has all the power in the world. He literally could kill all of us in an instant, and he doesn't because he wants to be that good. And then Clark's on the other hand says, I always had Ma and Pa. I didn't, you know, he, he lost his parents at such a young age. He has all the skill. He, he focused his whole life. He could have done anything and he decided to, to fight for justice without the powers that I have. And literally it's, it's something that just gets me going. I don't know how how else to put it just because it's so fantastic the way that, that they would put that because the two of them are, they are brothers. They are friends to more often than not. We, the fan, the fans in us, and the the non fans in us want to say who's going to win, Batman or Superman, yeah. when the two of them fight. When in all reality, you should be like, why would they fight? The two of them don't look at each other that way. Yeah. Yes, Frank Miller went and wrote the story, Dark Knight Returns, saying, hey, this is the reason why the two of them fight because Superman is going to eventually go way too corporate and decide that he he works for the government, and Batman's going to be like, well, that's obviously wrong. So we, the two of them need to to duke it out, but. That's not the way I see the Superman and Batman. No, I, I like I, I liked it and I read it and it's funny because you know we have that question. This is another thing. Like I'm sure not not trying to. I imagine this fan's probably new to comics, you know. And this is a great era to be joining comics, and mm-hmm. this is a great area era for your golden age. But comics have been around forever and they will be around forever. And there's so much. Um, this issue to me. Like, looking at it in terms of, like, brotherhood and whatnot, like, of course you're going to reevaluate your relationship right now. Why? Because your brother's getting married. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're thinking about each other and talking about each other differently. And to me, this is a Clark and Bruce issue, while Metal is a Batman and Superman story. Oh, that's very good. You're right. I mean, there are two different things. Like, it's to me, the question is, once they're done and collected, 
which one do I put in front of the other? Mm-hmm. You know, did Batman propose to Catwoman and then go do the metal scenario or did the metal thing happen and changed him? That's why he did proposed to selena i mean there's so much going on and you know that's one of those things where that's always been the struggle of comics you know but to me that's how i looked at those stories again you know like i appreciate both of them and i do understand how they look at each other different but you know when you have a situation where superman had to fly into the heart of darkness to rescue batman who's aging and becoming old and decrepit that is superman and batman that's why they push each other and and whatnot but when you have a milestone where one of your where your best friend your brother is getting married that is a clark and bruce moment so that's how i look at them differently and then you go right right into the the to the baseball moment that i mean on a on a on a lower scale you just hit on it it's like they push each other on a very low scale this is baseball swinging and throwing a ball which one they're pushing each other to be like oh well i can hit you i I can strike you out well i can hit the ball so you know that you take that to the higher scale that's well i can save the world by doing this well no i'm gonna save the world by doing this you know because i think it was and i'm gonna have to do this i'll probably have to post a thing comparison so i'll try to find your your tweet and add more to that but it's like i think it was dc or dark dark knight's metal four and that's the one where Superman finally breaks through and he sees the evil Superman, you know, the mm-hmm. Superman in the, 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 the electric armor suit and, and the stuff electric, like yeah. that. Yeah. And so I remember at one point that's where Superman is holding an aging Bruce Wayne Batman and, you know, Batman's like, uh, and then Superman's like, no, we're going to get out of this, blah, 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 blah. So it's funny because there's an example again, you know, where it's like Bruce and Clark are going to talk baseball and chess and things that you and I can do. But Superman and Batman are going to take it to where like worlds collide and here's where all this crazy shenanigans happen. So, yeah, I just I think it's neat to see their relationship in any and all of its aspects because of what they do and what they go through. So uh, to get off of that, uh, the other things that I read was the detective comics this week. Uh, I'm really loving what they're doing with the, the, the victim syndicate storyline. Right. You know, they came back to that after they did it, uh, say a year ago. Um, it looks like, you know, they have some big plans for, do we know who the first victim is? No, they, that's still a mystery who, okay. who it is. And I was doing some research online to see, like, you know, who people were thinking that the first victim is. Right. So I want to say in um, Batman Year One, they talk, uh, was it, um, Alfred says something about Batman suiting up for the first time, but I guess the night before he'd went out. Oh, when he was dressed like the... The, the marine veteran maybe i don't know something else but the, it, essentially not in the book re- alfred refers to something that happened before the book starts mm-hmm. so they're saying that someone got killed in that instance Ooh, interesting and uh i guess there's also another one where they talk about in detective comics number 27 27 right uh there's the guy who falls into the, the vat, vat, of acid. vat of acid in that that's not the Red Hood or not the Joker. Right. So that's Just whoever that, whoever that was, guy uh, was. That, yeah, that. that's going to be the first victim. You know, that's what I like because it could go like to me, I, I see three points of history. Mm-hmm. The actual, which would be Detective Comics number 27. That's what my brain thinks. Mm-hmm. I think it's that guy. Why? Because every villain is the victim in their own mind's eye. Yeah. So I could see him totally being like, Batman did this to me. And at the time, you know, this is the first appearance of Batman. We don't know if he's a hero or a villain. 
So boom. So that makes sense. Plus um, he's plus he's also he's got that red paint look on him, like uh, like uh, someone's poured a bunch of paint on him. Which, if you also think of it, that's kind of a red hood. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's yeah, it's a nice play on yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, so I, I that's where my money's at. But then again, I could see something like okay, in Batman Year One, you do have two moments where it could have been somebody. It could have been when when Batman. You know, put on the, the 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 military jacket with the hoodie and, mm-hmm. and went and fought some people in the street. But I don't think they would be the first Batman victim because he wasn't Batman, right? So maybe it was Batman's first night out on the thing where he stopped those kids from stealing the TVs. You know, and he, I remember like he, the TV fell and he grabbed the one kid and he was dangling him. You know, maybe the kid got messed up, like oh, this really messed up my spine and leg or something to that effect. And, or, so, and I think someone else. And before you go on, someone else was throwing out that it could just be the Joker again. He's just got another persona or something like that. Could be, yeah. But I would feel that's the cop out. That I would, would definitely that, be a cop out. Yeah. You know? um, but then you also have part of the new history, which is zero year. So I would need to go back and read that whole collection to see. Okay, maybe there's somebody in there because that that would pay tribute to Scott Snyder because mm-hmm. it's basically like who do you want to honor? Do you want to honor, you know, um, Bill Finger and Bob Kane? Do you want to honor Frank Miller and David Mazzuccelli? Do you want to honor Scott Snyder and Greg? God, I need to Capullo. Capullo, I need to just. I'm so sorry, Greg. Do you who you know who do you pay tribute to? Who do you honor? So, and all of those are great writers and artists. So that's that's a tough call. But I am very excited. Um, I'm going to be one of the guys that I, I can't wait to hear those spoilers. <laughs> and then the last one that I wanted to talk. Well, okay, before I talk about the last one, uh, Titans. Uh, I'm really enjoying that book. However, it was the end of this uh, Troya storyline. Oh, the future Donna? Yeah, the future Donna. And I like, I really felt like they screwed it. Like they totally, I don't know, they rushed it or something happened right. in that in that last issue that it really screwed up. Because in the issue before is you have, you have Wally die. Oh, uh, wow. And then all of a sudden the other Wally shows up and the beginning of the next issue okay, Wally's back to life. It's just like, well, what happened? I don't understand what happened. There's, there's nothing's really unexplained. And all of a sudden, Wally's okay. Weird. The redheaded Wally. Um, and, and the story, you know, she's Troya, who's the future version of Donna Troy, takes out all the other Titans. No problem because she's a living weapon and she's lived forever. And she knows the weaknesses of everybody that used to be on her team. Right. And then Donna Troy just comes in and be like, well, I'm also you. And it's like, I don't know. In my mind, when, you, when you're fighting someone from the future that's the ver- future version of yourself, there's always going to be the dialogue, well, I'm never going to turn into you. It's like, well, you are going to turn into you, to me because I am you kind of thing, right? Right. So Looper's the best one to, to do it. It's like, well, the only thing I can do is kill myself so then I never become you, right? Right. Uh, and spoilers for Looper if you hadn't seen that yet. But, you know, there's nothing re- – I don't know exactly what you're supposed to do with that. And, and I, I feel like people who write that storyline, they write themselves into a corner they because do. they don't know what – they don't – there's no real options. And I just feel like they, they didn't they didn't do the right option with that. And I, I, I really should know who the writer of that book is right now, but I don't. Uh, Dan Abnett. Okay, I, Unless they had like a guest writer for that article. No, I think, I think you're right. Um, so I, I enjoy that book. However, that issue – did not stick well with me. Now, the other book, the last book I wanted to talk about was White Knight. And Batman White Knight, uh, issue three, I want to say, is the one that I read. I think, yeah. Um, this is the one. I I thought at the beginning of the book, and maybe there, there's been a time jump back or whatever, but at the beginning of the book, Batman was in Arkham Asylum. And, uh, and 
Jack Napier is the one that's out, like kind of yeah. uh, being the new Batman, or just he's not he's not really he's in a costume. Yeah, rather, he's the yeah. White Knight. So I think there is a time back, like jump back to I when think, yeah, Jack that. Napier first gets out and he's trying to tell everybody that Batman's bad. Well, he's the one he ends up putting in the the Mad Hatter technology into Clayface and then making all the villains eat part of Clayface so that he can control everybody through Clayface, the Jack Napier. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he he basically sets up Batman to destroy a library that he's building in the poor part of Gotham. I forget what they call it. Um, <clears throat> and uh, what's his name? What's th- uh, Signal's name? Thomas. Oh, Duke. Duke, Duke Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. He's in there, a version of him that's back from the military and, and stuff like that. Jack, Jack Napier is kind of be kind of befriends him, which mm-hmm. is weird because in the, uh, re, uh, the original in the, continuity the, well, yeah, that he hates him because he killed his mother and father, yeah, right? Him crazy, yeah. Um, and and I don't know, it, I don't know the book. It, oh, that's the other thing that I want to talk about. That one in that version of Batman, Jason Todd came before Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson had to live up to Jason Todd's Robin. Okay, wow! I need to speed track this one because up. <laughs> there's there's a ver- there's a part where they're at their they're at a, a cemetery or something like that, and Bruce is talking to oh it's Alfred because Alfred died, so he they have they've buried Alfred and um he's uh what's her name uh, Babs uh-huh. Barbara Gordon's like who's Jason Todd because the gravestone's right next to Alfred's now and he's and Dick Grayson's like oh. That was that was the first Robin. That was the Robin that I had to live up to, and it's just like, what is You've going on? The rules yeah, here. I mean, obviously, this is a, a world where In else worlds. Yeah, 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 this is a world where uh, you know Harley. There's two different Harleys, and this new Har- the second Harley is becoming the Joker now until she can get the Jack Napier to start to stop taking his pills so that he will be the Joker again. And I don't know the the world's weird. I just thought this issue was. This issue was hard to follow. A little disconnected. Yeah. Yeah, because hmm. yeah, I, I like this one. I mean, I'll admit I've been behind. Um, but in my mind, this feels like it's the world of Batman 1989. If it progressed and like kind of oh, yeah, took see on that. the components of Batman the Animated Series. I don't just the style of it. Yeah. So I, I, I like well, it. Especially using you know? the name Jack Napier. Yeah. You know, so I, I feel that. And, you know, the Batman, the Batmobile of that world and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm liking it. I mean, I enjoyed issue one, but I've been lagging it. So you've got me excited again. So I'm going to have to put that, you know, speed track issues two or three. And I think four is also out. So. I think you just said four. Well, when... four got the reprint. So this one's oh, okay. five. All right. So, yeah. So I'll have to I'll have to put that on my on, on my list there to speed through. Did you well, have not another, speed through, but go through? Did you have another one that you want to talk about that you? Well, let's see. I week? finished up Phoenix Resurrection. Um, this book, it's funny because being a Cyclops fan, again, you know, he's a very polarizing character. People like or hate him. Uh, obviously, I like him. I think he's a great character. I've I've read all of him. <laughs> I'm going to give a pause there. I've read all of him. So I get when people are like, oh, well, this and this and that. I've read all of him. I, I get all that. I know all the, oh, he's a bad dad and all this and that. But you got to understand, editorial mandates sometimes jip our characters. You know, somebody could go back and be like, Ollie was a piece of shit when he first donned his new uh, Archer costume. And I don't like social justice Ollie. And, you know, I miss this Ollie. And I want him to be, you know, or he's a ripoff of Iron Man or he's a ripoff of Batman, you know, whatever. But there's the core of the character and there's the part where you invest yourself so much in the character that you find out what's going on outside of the character's life, you know, outside of all that stuff. So I just, I've appreciated everything he's been through. Um, 
issue five came out. I'll admit I was invested in that book issues one and two. Three and four kind of dropped the ball for me. I was kind of like, ah, now I'm just going through the mission, going through the motions. So when I read part five, I was going through the motions, but I enjoyed the tail end of it. You know, um, I'm a little confused on the way he interpreted the relationship with Jean Grey and the Phoenix, because to me, I felt like they were starting to say Jean Grey and the Phoenix were one. It was just always the same. But now it's like, well, no, the Phoenix entity is like a Green Lantern ring, so it chose Jean. And, you know, it's been on all of its spectacular adventures, so it doesn't rewrite anything. But to me, I'm kind of like, well, what about what you guys have been talking about with the, the, the white crown, the crown hot room or something like that, the white crown hot room where the Phoenix is living? Because basically when Jean died in Grant Morrison's run, that's where she ascended to. So that's why we had her in the white costume of the Phoenix. So I was like, okay, so how does all that work? And, you know, going into Phoenix End Song. How do some of these things go? That's interesting that you say the White Room because, and I know you didn't watch it, but that Legion TV show, right? Uh, the character of Legion, he goes in when he he goes into a White Room, like uh-huh. in his mind. Uh, so I wonder if there's going to be some kind of connection. I mean, I don't know. If there Legion, could be because yeah. to me it makes sense with telepaths. Yeah, you know, I've noticed a lot of the times in comics when they do that, when they go, like when they had an issue of Uncanny X Men where Cyclops had to like go into his mind. And, you know, it starts off in a white room. So is it something with, like, telepathy? You know, the, that, that level of telepathic ability, that that's where they first start? You know, we as writers, everything starts on a blank piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So it is a white room. You know, what is there symbolism to it? Is there connection to it? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, overall, I liked it. Um, I thought it was a great moment. I know a lot of people were mad, and I was, to see Cyclops alive and then get killed for the third time <laughs> since he's been killed. It's rough, and it's getting old Marvel. Um, but it was a beautiful moment between Scott and Gene. Um, so it's interesting because Schema fans, are they going to be excited? You know, are they happy about this? Jot fans, are they excited? Are they happy about this? You know, who, who do we deal with? How do we approach this? So I personally, I'm a Jot fan. I've always been Gene and Scott. I thought it's been great. So I was happy to see that. I did like the matching costumes for a moment there where Cyclops has his, his his red X costume, and then she got that new black bodysuit with the red trim on it. I thought that was cool looking. So in the in the comics community, we call Cyclops Right Clops because he was right. Mm. So that's why he's been very militaristic. So I'm like, oh, okay, this will be Right Gene. So we do have <laughs> we have Right Gene. Um, she's gonna move on. So it, it does have me excited to pick up X Men Red Number One to see what's gonna happen. And so I would definitely say, um, if you want to read. Um, Phoenix Resurrection, you could probably just pick up issues one and five and then go from there. And no offense to the writer. He's, he's a great writer. He's a friendly guy on Twitter and all that stuff. But it's just sometimes they could do these stories in less. So I read that. And then, again, I kept reading on um, with my uh, – well, actually, no. I took a detour. I, I traveled back, and I really enjoyed these. Um, Cyclops issue 12, which was part of the Black Mirror. No, what was it called? Black the, Vortex. Uh, the Black Vortex story. And – uh, Justice League, Dark Side War, Green Lantern. So those were two neat ones because, again, my favorite characters, they get these power upgrades. But it was just a real neat internal look, and it's kind of neat too because both of them get to deal with their fathers and their childhood. So I thought these were very fun issues on that perspective. So that was on my reading list there. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, now we're going to get to our challenge. Uh, we went the long way around it to get there, but we're here now, and we're talking Daredevil Born Again. Now, uh, this came out February through August of 1986, Marvel Comics, uh, it, Daredevil Volume 1, yes, issues 2, 227 and 
through 233. Uh, writers at the time, or writer at the time, Frank Miller. And how do well, you say he th- just came back. And David Mazzuccelli. Mazzuccelli. So they came back. Uh, Frank Miller had done an original run on Daredevil, <laughs> left the book. And then I think, I don't know if it was maybe a story he just didn't finish or if it was just something he wanted to tell. So he came on to do these issues. Now, originally with Born Again, um, those issues that you numbered off, the last two weren't part of the original story. They were just kind of closure. But because of collected editions and stuff like that, they've actually made it an entire, like, all right, this is the full story. But hmm. yeah, at first it wasn't part of it. I, um, now, that's interesting. Read, now, because the way they flow, they yeah, do flow exactly. together. Yeah. I mean, how could you not have those last two issues as being part of the story? I mean, that's kind of the finish of the story. Well, because back then, and this is, again, this is a different era of comics. Um, Frank is writing in the serialized aspect of it, mm-hmm. but marketing is like, okay, give it a story art, call it something. So that's why if you look at some of these issues, they don't, like if you look at the actual covers, you don't see it say like Born Again Part right. 1 and Part 2, or some of them aren't marked as Born Again, but they're part of the Born Again story arc. So it's interesting. Well, like I mean, that. there's there's one of the issues that's actually called Born Again. Like yeah. the one where he wakes up and the nuns have him, right? Yeah, after freezing so, in the alleyway, yeah. Which uh, was funny because I, reading the two issues before that, I don't know. It just it didn't it didn't click with me that it was you know that that those I, I don't know those felt like preludes. They felt like uh, uh, prologues to Born Again. Like it doesn't actually happen until the the book says this is Born Again. Yeah. Like I don't know why. This is just the way that my brain. Obviously, you need those um, those issues though to yep, set up. You know wh- where where, you where he's at. Yeah. And what's really interesting too, um, there was an article about this, and I wish I could remember it now. But there's, it's with Daredevil being Catholic and Frank Miller just really loving to play with that. If you look at the first page covers, or not covers, the first page of each of those books, it basically is kind of like a mini story of Jesus. Mm. You know what he what he's going through. So he specifically wrote them in a certain way. And I know I'm not doing this justice. I'll have to find the article and, and post it as an attachment. But there's just really neat. So it's like you look at those first pages, and there's some beautiful stuff going on there with the the, the Catholicism involved with it. So I have to uh, I have to. <laughs> well, tell throw, us what you thought about the story. Yeah, I was gonna have to throw this disclaimer out there first. Is that I just do not like Frank Miller's writing. Now this story. Pivotal as it is, you know, a big Daredevil story and, you know, lots of things happen into it. Lots of things that will affect Daredevil storyline for decades decades to come, generations to come, however you want to put it. <laughs> uh, I just don't like Frank Miller's writing. He repeats himself so much in his writing. So many things are said over and over and over again. And maybe that's just the way he does it because he wants the, that point to get across to you right. or whatever. But, oh my God. So the first... Three issues, I want to say, where the Kingpin is literally, you know, doing everything in his power, and he has a lot of power yeah. to discredit, destroy, obliterate, or obliterate, ob- obliterate Matt Murdock from the world. Yeah, it is so like uh, disheartening. It is so uh, despairing. I don't know. It just made me feel horrible. Like everything that was going wrong with for Matt, that yeah. it was just bad, and it but it all comes at a ti- as a tidal wave. Like the the first issue opens up with uh he's getting that uh he's getting he's the subpoenaed right. Well, not just the subpoena, but he's getting the the letter from his bank saying, "Hey, uh, oh, we haven't got done. we haven't got well we haven't gotten your mortgage payment in three months." And he's like, "Oh, man, that bank is always giving me trouble." You know, I, you know, he has absolutely no reason to believe that the checks that he's been writing for the last three months have not been going to his bank. But then the IRS is like, 
oh, well, you know, we've frozen your, your account. I'm like, what? And then, yeah, there's a subpoena. We have proof. We There's there's evidence or a witness saying that we saw he saw you bribing uh, the cop, yeah. Whoever. Well, no, the cop said he was being bribed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, everything just comes at a tidal wave. And he doesn't, he has absolutely no idea what the fuck is going on. And from there, it's just one beat down after another, after another. And, and then I, in, and trust me, I don't have the backstory of what's going on between him and glory, but, uh, someone breaks into glory's place. She gets, she gets scared. She calls foggy or foggy just shows up. I don't, I didn't really understand what happened there. He just showed up. Yeah. If I remember. And, uh, he takes her back to his place and then all of a sudden their relationship just starts to kick off. Like whether it's because she just felt really vulnerable because of what happened to her or there was already, uh, uh tension, tension between them from before. I don't know, but, it like I don't know that that seemed to be really quick and that's not started off by anybody that's not the, the kingpin didn't get in there and like no, throw yeah, a potion or a spell or something yeah, yeah that was just happens and then all of a sudden you know all after all these things are going bad and then he even has Foggy help him get out of the the criminal case that he's going up against right uh, he starts believing that Foggy's against him and like he's like everybody's out to get me all these people are, are i can't trust anybody like they all hate me everybody's trying to kill me you know everybody's trying to discredit me like even foggy and glory and it's like i don't know where you got the evidence for foggy not liking you he even throws it out there he's like but foggy just helped me why would he and yeah, why would he do this it, no it doesn't make any sense i don't know there was a lot of things that i just that frank miller just throws out there as this is gospel and this is what happened and you have no proof or no evidence or nothing's been written or shown to me to, to prove otherwise. And I'm just like, ah, okay. But see, I like that in that regard that this is how crazy he's feeling right now. You know, and and like, I totally get it. Yeah. I, I like how you were saying that. It's like, it is tough because it's like, you know, why can I watch, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and not be scared? Because that guy's not real. <laughs> I'm more afraid of the tax man than I am him. Yeah. And so that's why, like, when I read, you know, like, like Lex Luthor and Kingpin are the worst villains out there. Why? Because they could be real. Yeah. You know, Brainiac is not real, but Lex Luthor could be real. <laughs> and so to see Kingpin do all this stuff, it was like, man. But then just talk about luck. You know, it's like, oh, it just happened to be one of the coldest winners in New York. Right. So here's pneumonia, Matt Murdock, you know, and. And all those things. And I liked it. But I just like that. I mean, it's like when shit hits the fan, we do. Because that's the thing. Like, Matt Murdock, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. So it's funny because it's like, oh, he's this calm, cool, collected lawyer. But he's a very passionate man as well. <laughs> so I like – and again, I think that just comes with the Catholicism of it. So to me, that's why I felt that those things happen where it's like, you know, like, oh, son of a bitch. The whole world's out to get me. You know, it's it's the day you come in and it's like, oh, my, my magazine finally came in and it's ripped. Fucking mailman. <laughs> oh, I just stubbed my toe. Fucking table, you know. And now my sandwich – just got eaten at work everybody's against me and it's like no matter how cool and calm and collected you're it's just when you get your 1000th strike against you it's like you start going a little mad and that's how i felt it was i just took it on that that hot-headed reactionness of it you know where it's like yep everything's going bad today everybody's out to get me you know and it's like we say that in jest but to actually have it happen so much to where you feel like it's true i think that's neat and again it plays with like matt's sanity was just run through the ringer you know, it's like, bam, you know, and I mean, I love that line when his house explodes, because was that part one or two? I think part, it was one. part one. Yeah. So it's like, OK, that's why he's thinking, OK, Kingpin's out. And, the, and that's and he, that's that's the point where he goes, well, you shouldn't have signed it, Kingpin. I know you're the one that's behind this. Yeah. And uh, from that point, he goes to confront the Kingpin as Matt Murdock. So yeah. he knows that so he just not only himself and proved Wilson true. Yeah. Exactly. 
So and that's what I like is that if Matt was in his normal frame of mind, he wouldn't have done that because he knows better. So he, I mean, he goes there. He goes to fight the the kingpin. He gets the shit he, kicked out of himself. I, I don't know if this is the first time that you that they that the kingpin's d- depicted, you know, working out and being actually super strong. You know, that was definitely. I think Frank Miller. No, actually, I would say John Romita Senior. Well, John Romita Senior. and Stan Lee created the kingpin. Right, uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue fifty, if I remember correctly. They've always given him that he's got super strength. Oh, okay. He, he could grab Spider Man and throw him, and Spidey's like, "What?" You know, or you wouldn't he could think take that the guy and, that looks like him would yeah, be. Yeah, and you just assume it's like, "Oh, he's just a roly poly." No, yeah, he's solid mass. You know, he's he's a big dude. So, uh, he, at that point, he's framed for killing a cabbie. Yep. He he drives the cab into the water, uh, which then you know only exacerbates the pneumonia. He then has to go and. Uh, he he goes and he sees a, a Santa Claus, a, you know, Salvation Army Santa Claus getting mugged. He tries to stop that. The mugger st- stabs him in the in the gut. He's basically just dying. He's falling. Uh, he's 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 made it so that he you know he he can't um, he can't survive. So nuns nuns pick him up, take him to. Yeah, luckily, he gets at the he gets picked up, taken to the mission. You know, luckily one of the nuns just happens to be really caring and helpful and 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 that was a weird thing he's like he she goes my name's maggie he goes maggie are you my mother and she's like no and then he's like well i can hear your heartbeat well he doesn't say that to her but he's he like i can so, yeah. i can hear the heartbeat i know you're lying and i was like i don't know does that get resolved so what's interesting and this is where the the, the prequel comes well after that it's to a sequel point okay so he also picks it up from the cross if i remember Okay. Like, oh, there's just something about her cross. And the reason that happens and why all these things go that way is because in Daredevil, the man without fear. So this is the new origin of Daredevil done in like the early 90s. Uh, Frank Miller and John Romita Jr., your, your ultimate dynamic. Oh, duo. my God. So they, they did a beautiful story. Punch me in the um, face. <laughs> um, so they do the story. But anyways, when, when Matt first gets blinded by the radioactive waste, He's in the hospital and nothing is making sense because all, all his senses are blowing up. It's almost akin to Man of Steel when Clark runs into the closet at school and he's like, the world's big, it's just too big. And then Martha shows up and she's like, make it small. Mm-hmm. It's almost, it's probably, honestly, like maybe that's where Zack Snyder might have taken the scene. Well, I mean, um, that same that scene's in uh, the Ben Affleck Daredevil when, you know, the kid, he's in the hospital bed for the first time and all of a sudden... You know, all the everything like he thinks the truck's coming right at him, even though he's in a hospital bed because right. he, he hears it. I don't yeah, know. That's true. No, you're right. So, yeah. So maybe he even took it from the movie. Um, but anyway, so th- th- there's a nun who comes to help him and comfort him. And it's Maggie. But again, you know, we don't know this when we're reading Born Again back in the 80s. But we learn this when we're reading Man, uh, Man Without Fear in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the continuity, one comes before the other. But in terms of reality, it's reverse. Right. So it does get answered better later on. Right. Yeah. But so yeah, the cross and then her heart skipping a beat while he's lying tells him that, Oh, this is my mom. But yeah, the question is how would he have known to just ask her that random question? Yeah. You know, cause at first it, I imagine the original readers of the day were probably like, Oh, it's because she's being so motherly to him. Right. And then we discover, Oh, it's because she's actually been in his life before. So maybe it could have been like, you know, a muscle memory where it's like he picks up her scent and he's like, I know I've smelled that, that scent before. That cross, I know I've felt that gold before. But we don't know why until later. So then the second part of Kingpin's plan is not only to discredit and destroy Matt Murdock, but to no, also discredit Matt, and, and do Daredevil. So he he goes and he uh, commissions Melvin Potter, the tailor. 
The at one well, point, yeah, he's at one also, point he's, the ga- he, gladiator. Yeah, the gladiator who does make the clothing. Yeah, uh, to to make a new daredevil suit, and he's going to give it to a psychopath, psychopath just, just random, a random psychopath, random, yeah, crazy guy, uh, and have that guy um, wear the suit and kill people. And then he also, I I didn't quite understand what his his deal with Nuke was going to be. Like at one point he gra- he gets Nuke and he says, look. You know, Daredevil's a bad guy because he doesn't believe in the American way. You know, the, he's he's pushing an agenda that's not America, and, and Nuke is obviously very much mm-hmm. to the point that he's tattooed the American flag on his face. Yeah. And I thought there was this... I, I couldn't tell from the artist's depiction, but it looked like Kingpin was using the American flag to, like, wipe his face at one point or something. I couldn't tell if that's what was going on or if he was just, like, using the flag as a, a symbol and be like, look, the Daredevil, Daredevil doesn't believe in... The America that we believe in, or something like that. It just yeah, I think it, I think it was more that because I don't think I mean wiping his face with the American flag would have just set Nuke off. That's what I thought, and I, it, but that's so what I'd have it to looked look at the like. Panel in question there, but uh, so you know, Nuke goes in there and he just starts unloading round after round into a crowd of people uh, to lure Daredevil out. To lure Daredevil, yeah, and then uh, it, but it not only does it lure Daredevil out, it also lures uh, the Avengers, the Avengers out, yeah, and uh, they even allude that. Nuke uh, is a like a Captain a America successor spin-off. to yeah. Captain America, yeah. Uh, and uh, that I don't know that whole part with Nuke. I think at the end, kind of gets it, kind of gets lost. Like I don't, I don't know. I felt like they didn't know what to do with him, and uh, I, does he kind of Daredevil kind of uses him as a as a shield for when people are shooting at him, doesn't he? Kind of, yeah. Like, I mean, so the, the, that part of the, that part of the um, story, the story, that part of the story was kind of weird because to me it's like, okay, like, and again, this is probably just the branding of the way or, and even then I'd be curious to see like, did the issues come out on time monthly mm-hmm. or was there some gap? Because it does feel like it almost kind of like, it, like, I guess it's the third act. Well, I was going to so, say, this is the, this would be the two issues that you were, you were talking about yeah. that weren't originally part of the storyline. Yeah, so, so it's almost like, did it almost, was it like... Hey, can you write more? Yeah. Can you expand? Can you not end it right now? Give us a little bit more. And that's what I was thinking when you said that. Like maybe that these two, like the very end where you find out that, you know, uh, they were able to turn the tables on the kingpin and then have him, Wilson Fisk, kind of become discredited and and his business destroyed and all that stuff. Like that was the original ending, but they were like, well, let's throw in two more issues, and then Phil Frank Miller had to add the stuff with the with Nuke. Yeah, I kind of felt because it's like I, I felt like he definitely could have capped it off by like, okay, I beat this crazy guy, I got my skin back, Daredevil's clean and safe, boom, end of story. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, and again, this is where it kind of just shows that now here's where the kingpin, the story's not working so well for him, so now he's going to go a little bit crazy. He blackmails his general, gets Nuke as his weapon, releases him because to me that part doesn't make sense because it's one of those things where it's almost like you know, kingpin loves New York. Yeah, he wants nothing more than to own it and control. As we see now, you know, and 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 by bringing Nuke there, it's like no, you're going to destroy stuff. You're killing, you know, New Yorkians and all that stuff. So it does. It, it comes off a little far fetched. Um, like I like the extremism uh, because that's actually Nuke's first story. 
Oh, okay. And so that's the first time we see him. And, you know, it, it does turn funny because it almost turns into like a little bit of a Captain America story when Cap goes in and like investigates and finds all yeah. that stuff out. Yeah. Because that doesn't even really get played out too well either, where it's like, well, why would Cap go in and investigate? Okay, well, because he wants to bring that that general, but why? You know, and then even with Daredevil taking Nuke and slamming him on Ben Urich's desk and being like, write this, write about what's going on. Again, why? We don't get to see that. And that's what's interesting. And, and um, I would almost recommend um, there's a spiritual sequel only because it wasn't written by Frank Miller. But it's a great story. And I didn't want to include it because it is its own story. Is it The Last Rites? Um, yeah, The Last Rites part because... Uh, Frank Miller, like he did his run of Daredevil. He was off the book for like a year or two. And then he just came back to do the story and then left. And he doesn't come back until he does born again. Um, so I want to say it was Anne Nocenti. She took over the Daredevil writing book. Uh, she had a couple of artists and then she even got John Romita Jr. on it. So they did a lot of stuff, but they did all this crazy things. Like they did a good redemption arc for, um, Karen Page and they rebuilt the foggy uh, Matt relationship and stuff like that. Then the next writer and artist came on and the artist was Lee Weeks and the writer was D.D. Churchester. I'm sure I'm saying that last name wrong and I might even be wrong on this one. But anyways, they wrote this story art called Last Rites um, and it was issues 297 to 300 and it is a great sequel to born again and it really because it's basically kingpin born again so now he goes to the ringer and he gets discredited mm. but he's not smart enough to fix it so he can be like because matt does some shitty stuff in that one you know he exploits um uh, a character that'll be created a little bit after born again called uh typhoid mary so he like type like mary has a relationship with matt because typhoid mary it's a split personality. So right. Typhoid Mary controls Mary. So Typhoid Mary creates Mary to seduce Matt and breaks up Karen and Matt. So she's destroying that relationship part of it. Anyways, Matt winds up sleeping with her to get information on Kingpin. And then he turns her into the FBI as well. So it's like, holy cow, man. And like, I, there's just a panel where Matt has to deal with it. But anyways, yeah, there are a lot of loose, lot, lot of loose plot threads that didn't get resolved in The Born Again that two writers basically had to come in and kind of fix it on their way to their it, journey. I wanted to say my, uh, the funny, it's funny that you brought up that this was uh, nuke's first story. Cause uh, my first introduction to nuke, and maybe this is a different podcast, but my first introduction to nuke was, do you remember after um, origin yeah, over Wolverine at Marvel? origin book? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, Wolverine origins first. Well, first they just did origin, you know, and that's the, yeah, the origin of Wolverine. Uh, right. To capitalize on that, Marvel came out with a book to go along with their Wolverine book called Wolverine Origin. Uh, Origins. Right, or Origins, yeah. yeah. And uh, in that book, there is a issue where basically Wolverine, when he was a part of the military, uh, trained Nuke, made oh, him wow. go crazy, you know, gave him the tattoo on his face and stuff like that. So that's where I uh, first, first saw the character. First character. So it's interesting that this is his first story. Um, and the one part of the storyline that we haven't touched on yet was the whole Karen, Karen page of yeah, the story her character got assassinated we, as they call it. We talked, yeah, her character was assassinated. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but yes, it starts out with her being, uh, in like Mexico, Valenzuela, no Valenzuela. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. Something like that. And she's looking for a hit and you know, she doesn't have any money to pay, but she has a secret. So she gives the envelope to a guy, her, her dealer, the dealer then passes it up the line. 
eventually gets to the kingpin. Kingpin looks at it and says, okay, everybody who's ever touched this envelope, anybody that knows this information needs to get killed now. Yeah. So as it, it's working its way back down, it, the person that she she sold it to gets is get, can getting killed. She walks in to uh, to see this, trying to get another fix, and the guy shoots at her but misses, so she runs. She eventually gets uh, in trouble with, or she gets wrapped up with another drug dealer, mob boss kind of guy who knows her from her porn star days. Right. And uh, she she's like, "Look, you got to protect me so that this other ki- guy who's trying to kill me doesn't kill me." And then he ends up taking her back to New York, even though she he's beating the fuck out of her. You know, yeah, ha- like a whore. Yeah, and being a horrible monster to her. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, until the point where she gets back, she gets to New York, and she's like, "I need to find Matt." Matt, Matt's the one that can help me. Matt, 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 Matt. Yeah. And then she finds Foggy first, and Foggy's got to be like, well, Matt's kind of fucking off the deep end, yeah, you know? Yeah, both crazy white yeah. jobs. <laughs> and then that's and that's another thing that happens at the end of the story. All of a sudden, they're both fine. You know, she kind of goes through, like, Foggy kind of puts her through rehab in his apartment, like, just locks her in a room, says, get the shit out of you. And then uh, Matt finally sees her again, and he's like, oh, well, I got to protect karen and then at the end of the book they're just walking hand in hand in the street it's just like which is a bob dylan cover oh i didn't know that yeah huh well there you go the fabulous free willing bob dylan i think <laughs> <laughs> it's just i don't know it it it's the problems that i have with frank miller's writing you know it, it's tough like i'll admit the first time i the first time i ever read the storyline i read it when i was younger and i just thought it was amazing it was like oh this is cool um the next time i read it i had i had actually bought the frank miller daredevil trades and it gave me a lot of backstory on what Frank Miller does. So there's two Frank Millers in my mind. So there's the good Frank Miller who wrote Daredevil and Batman Year One. And then there's what Frank Miller has become. <laughs> and I just don't care for him. Like, honestly, the last thing I really read that I ever liked of the guy was Batman, the man, or sorry, Daredevil, the man without fear. And I hate that I like that because I'm like, oh, I'm supporting Frank Miller who's just, <laughs> I mean, he killed the spirit for me. Yeah. Like, you know me. You know the spirit is like, oh, Your he's up one. there, dude. Yeah. He's like, yeah. And so it makes me sad to know that this guy still gets to do work even after he's destroyed all that stuff. But anyways, it, it, I would recommend later on when, when you get more time and things like that, give him a try. Read his stuff. When you know more about Daredevil, it'll, it'll, it'll make more sense why. Because like we do have these ideas of what Matt looks like on the peripheral. But when you dig deeper into the character, a lot more – I guess it's, it's the bad thing. It's, it's kind of one of those things when you watch a movie and you provide an example of why it happened – as opposed to the storyteller telling you. So, like, I've watched movies and I've done that for myself. I'm like, oh, well, this makes sense that that would have happened that way. Okay, I'm good with it. So that's kind of one of those things that maybe I fill in for myself. But I feel that having known Matt longer and seeing, I get the, why those things happen the way they did. But it is, it's a, it's a hell of a story to be like, hey, you want to read Daredevil? Try this. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, a, you know, it's like, oh, I've never surfed before. Sure, ride a tsunami. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, so your challenge was to put the Born Again storyline in the DCU. And yeah. uh, this is the, the, the questions you had thrown out there. Who would be your Daredevil in the DCU for the story? Who would be the kingpin that ruins, the, ruins your DD? Uh, your supporting character would have to uh, would have sell the secret identity and for what price? Uh, I.e. Karen Page giving away Matt's secret for the hit of heroin. What would do? Uh, what would you do to to your main character? I.e., Matt being disbarred, IRS freezing his assets, home blown up. <clears throat> what new family member would you introduce to your main character, uh, as in Daredevil's mom, the nun? Uh, all right. So I'm gonna go first. All right. I want to throw mine out there. Uh, I went with Ted Cord. Ted Cord, the Blue Beetle. I just thought that 
to me, he is a very good equivalent of Daredevil. And I really felt like that's uh, what I would feel. I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people throw out there uh, Daredevil is Batman, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And yeah, that's a good that's a good one too. It's just fine, but I just I don't know for some reason this story felt like a Blue Beetle story to me. Even though Blue Beetle has never really been that down on his luck, I would say, other than you know Max Maxwell were killing him. Well, but it, but it's funny. So there was a there's a volume of Daredevil I would put on your radar. Hint joke, no, anybody, no. But anyways, <laughs> no. so uh, Blue Beetle when he joined DC Comics, uh, they gave him a series after Crisis, and it was Blue Beetle issues one through twenty four. And Blue Beetle, like, see, and I, I like how you pick Blue Beetle and Daredevil because mm-hmm. they're swashbucklers. Yes. People forget that about those heroes. They will face crisis and they will do it with a joke, mm-hmm. you know, or they will be solemnly just morose about everything. So I, I like that. I like that because there is some symmetry to their characters. There is there you know, because essentially Blue Beetle is. Especially Ted Cord, he's Peter Parker. Right. Peter Parker and Matt Murdock have this luck about them. You know, it's, it's either true. the Parker luck or the Murdock luck. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that pick. Uh, but anyways, Blue Beetle, his first DC comic series. So I think it's like Blue Beetle Volume Four, issues one through twenty-four. We do see that. I mean, it ultimately starts up with here he is. He's the new kid in Chicago, and he's got his his cord omniversal. And then by the final issue, it's all destroyed. His business is gone. His father and him hate each other. The girl of his dreams slash girlfriend slash love interest they hate each other. You know, he's probably lost his friends, and you know his name's Mud. So it's like that is very much a Matt Murdock, Peter Parker, Ted Cord scenario. <laughs> Uh, so uh, there, I would have uh, Ted Cord be my Blue Beetle. Now, who is it that's going to sell him out? Um, I didn't. I don't really have a female ex love interest in mind. Uh, I went with a different relationship, a, a friendship relationship. Oh, so yeah. if you go with the Justice League International group that he was with, that would have been Booster Gold, Guy Gardner, Firefox. Yeah, uh, the leader of that group or the liaison or whoever you want to say was uh, Maxwell Lord. Yep. Now we know in the future. Uh, come up to Infinite Crisis. Yeah, right before that. Maxwell yeah. Lord is going to eventually kill Blue Beetle because he puts two and two together. Um, but uh, one of the things Maxwell Lord is always out there trying to do is to improve his meta power, his uh, ability his to read. Yeah. yeah, his telepathy, be able to read minds. So if there's a drug out there that would allow him to expand his power, I could definitely see him maybe selling out his friends or quote unquote friends. So at one point he's, he's he comes he, the scientist is working on his way to uh, basically a uh, mutant growth hormone in the Marvel U you know whatever it would be in yeah, the, the MGH the kick and yeah. all that stuff yeah so whatever so, the DC one is we'll it, call it, you can call it meta <laughs> yeah yeah there you go actually I think isn't that what they were calling it I think that's what they're calling it in in uh, Titans in the Curtain Titans story it's oh, the nice. the way yeah it's the called new drug meta. is meta <laughs> yeah so. Uh, uh, t- yeah, Maxwell Lord it needs to get his hand on this so that he can become more powerful. He sells oh, out uh, Venom. We should use the Venom. <laughs> <laughs> you know that wouldn't be bad for my nuke. You know yeah, if I wanted to use, hey, use Bane. Go, yeah. You know, uh, I, I just don't know how it'd work in Bane into the Ted Cord situation. But you'd have to change a little history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'd have to change a little bit. So I'm going to break you, Blue Beetle. <laughs> I think Blue Beetle would just cry. And be like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, he sells out Boo Beetle. Gives he says, "Look, you know who the Boo Beetle is. This is who it is. Industrialist Ted Cord. That you know he, this this guy. You can you can do whatever you need to do because you you work in the same field, science and all that stuff. 
you can blackmail him whichever way you want and get get at his resources so that you can make more of your drug or make whatever to this scientist uh however that scientist is already working for somebody else he's working for tobias whale tobias whale eventually will go on to actually overtake uh cord industries or cord enterprises and uh discredit um ted cord and uh and knock him out of his own company so this only uh uh, accelerates that that story and yeah 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 so uh there's my kingpin uh tobias whale and if if you actually look at the character (laughs) they look very similar they have the same almost the same outfit whereas uh wilson fisk is white with a orange uh ascot Uh he's got a purple suit with a purple ascot so it's it's very very similar it's it's very odd the picture you showed me yeah it's like (laughs) I swear to God, like you just erase the head, make it more round, and it's Wilson Fisk. It's Wilson Fisk, exactly. You make it more triangular, it's the whale. It's, it's the whale. So uh, there you go. There's that part. The the Now, the character that I'm introducing, uh, well, so obviously we got Ted Cord is now discredited. His He's lost his company. He's going, you know, his, it very easily could, uh, you know, the IRS freezing up his stuff. Yep. Uh, he's not going to get disbarred, obviously, but being discredit his name discredit yeah, yeah his discredit his he name as a, as a scientist or as an industrial yeah. other people's other, other people have, have actually he's actually stole patents and stuff like that yeah. that's very easy for them to do if you had the money uh-huh. uh so he's discredited he's going crazy he finds himself down in the dumps he goes to try and stop a mugger same way gets killed uh or almost gets killed uh friendly face picks him up takes him to a safe house to to um look over him patch him up you find out that it's an older sister that he didn't know he had dun, dun, dun. she works for checkmate now this is where the spider-man connection, <laughs> comes, connection in. comes in just like you had stated earlier because we now know that peter parker or maybe has an older sister by the name of Teresa that works for shield right yep okay so there you go you have an older sister that's a spy that works for checkmate who eventually maxwell lord will work for or will take over yeah in the infinite crisis storyline all comes back around. I yeah. like that because honestly, that is neat that you could you've got characters that are in Blue Beetle history, but you're not in like the the immediate tapestry. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I, I really love you know that. Okay, Ted Cord or not Ted Cord? Sorry, uh, Max Lord is just going to be like, all right, I, I I'm more worried about me. What can I do to advance me? So hell with it. Which one of these guppies can I throw out? <laughs> you know, all right, I'll pick Ted. You know, maybe he's even resilient enough I, that he can overcome this. And who cares? I mean, doing doing anything you know? to Booster is not really going to hurt because he's from the future. You know, the the future him is is not even created yet. You know, yeah. uh, Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner has a uh, has a Green Lantern ring. What's I mean, what exactly is, are you going to be able to do to discredit him? He's just an average guy that has a. I mean, you can say that he's extra extraordinary because uh he's a driven dude but he's not batman driven or what right yeah, he doesn't yeah. have a secret identity that he's trying to hide yeah. he's guy gardner green lantern yeah uh fire and ice i mean rocket yeah. red uh, no yeah it's like ted cord is the the one that you sell out yeah i like that that, that it's cool and I, I really think it's neat especially with the tobias well connection i really found that one interesting when you threw that out there it's like that's cool because that actually does happen in the comics and it's kind of neat because in your world you know, in, in the Marvel world, Kingpin fails. In your world, Tobias wins. Yeah. So now it makes me think, like, we laugh that, oh, Tobias is a ripoff of the Kingpin. It's like, but actually, he, he, he was successful. He's successful. <laughs> he, he got, you know, he destroyed an actual superhero's company and took it over as a front, you know? So it's like, that's kind of cool, you know? 
Now, again, that hurts the image of Ted Cord because it's like, oh, wow, you keep screwed up your company, <laughs> you know. But it's funny because Ted Cord, he's one of those names that, you know, at, at when it first came on, it was like, oh, he's Radio Shack, you know. But nowadays, the more and more gets used, it's like, no, he's IBM or he's Apple. Right, you know? right, yeah. Are IBM and Apple the same? I don't know. No, they're not the same. Oh, but okay. I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, so it's just funny how that works. No, I, I really like that. Um, and I like the... I, you just got characters I love, so of course I'm going to buy this story. I think it's neat. So, um, and if I have to go with the 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 analogy of a, a story title, I'd have to go with Cocoon because he's a <laughs> bug and born again, come out of a cocoon kind of thing. There you go. That's where we find out Ted does have a metagene. Oh, <laughs> and then he grows some wings. Yeah, he, uh. he like as Teresa brings him in, she starts saying like, "What the hell's going on? His body's like crystallizing. <laughs> and now it's looking like an egg, and, and he just pops out, and it's Jeff Goldblum." Uh, <laughs> no. All right, so where did you go with your DC Born Again? Okay, so it's funny because I, I think when you looked at this story, you looked at it from the heroic point of view. Mm-hmm. When I looked at this story, I looked at it from the villainous point of view. And I asked myself, who is a damn good villain? Who do I want to work with? Who do I want to deal with? Lex Luthor came to mind. Lex Luthor is kingpin. Yeah, um, I always remember the DC versus Marvel um, comic book event, and then they made the trading cards. Of course, I had to buy all those, um, and I just loved them. And they had one card where it was Lex Luthor versus Kingpin. And all they could do was play each other at chess. That makes sense. And I thought, like, that is so cool. You know, it's like everybody else is, you know, like Ghost Rider versus um, the, the demon, you know. So they're fighting it out in hell. But here these guys are playing chess. They're just monsters. They're, they're the worst savages out there. And I like that because that's that's taken into the 90s uh, rewrite of, of Lex Luthor. Of Lex Luthor that's, yeah, that's not the, the crazy scientist man. evil guy, but the evil businessman. And then you, to think, you know... Lex Luthor brings out the power suit when he has to fight Superman, you know, or yeah. he has to go up against the Justice League. But when he's fighting another person that he either he probably no, he doesn't think anybody's on his level, but yeah. a person that's on his level, he's doing it in chess. He's doing it move by move. He's doing yeah. it, you know, on the on the business front. So that's yeah. that's awesome. No, I always love that card. So anyway, so that's why I picked Lex Luthor. I was just like, you know what? So to flip it, and then I thought, okay, well, who should he do this to? Well, who else could he do it to? So who's my Daredevil? It's Superman. You know, it's got to be Superman. Um, who was my kingpin? As I just stated, it would be Lex Luthor. Now, I'm going to set this story in an era. I want to say it was 1986 or maybe 1987. Superman Volume 2, Issue 2 came out. So they put out this comic, and it's so funny because it's very dated. Computers were shit back then. <laughs> Everything was the horrible pixelation, the, the, you know. Right. And so, and, you know, what, what were your two colors? Black and yellow or probably the black green and, green, and whatnot. Yeah. But so they, in the comic, they made it black and yellow because the way it would look. Yeah. So anyway, so... You know, Luther is just like, I want information on Superman. I want it now. So they investigate. They find all this stuff. They even break into the Kent's house. They they steal an album, you know, and they put it together. So this computer scientist, she runs it through her computer program, and she basically figures it all out by crunching the data. So the computer program finally comes to, and it says Clark Kent is Superman. So to her, it makes sense. She's like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. But to the kingpin, it's like, no. No man with that much power would ever do something so stupid to be a, a, a slime like Clark Kent, a whiny little toad. No, it's just dumb. So he's, he's done with it. So what I want to do is I want to revisit that idea. So that's the world I'm going to play in. And I do want to majorly credit you. I want to say thank you because you did help me out with the family member. So this is going to come into play nicely later. So I'm going to put this, you know, in the storylines, we're going to see more and more go on. So Luther's going to have it gnawing in the back of his head that, okay, Clark Kent has been a thorn in my side. So I'm going to go after Clark Kent. So ultimately, how do like why does this thought come back to his brain? Okay, so Jimmy Olsen, Jimmy Olsen's going to screw up cuz he's Superman's best friend. So that's the girlfriend 
Ooh. But that's the supporting character that I'm. Wow, use. I like that you wanted yeah. Jimmy Olsen. I was, I was, I thought you were going to go with Lana or something. At this I point, wanted but. to, but Lana was the one who got used in that story because they actually grabbed her and beat her up and roughed her up. because oh. that's like she's the one that like Superman finds her. Well, Clark finds her, and Superman's so mad. Like I'm gonna have to let you borrow this issue. You've got to read it. It's Superman issue two, and like you know, Clark finds it. He discovers what they've done to Lana, and he's so mad. He as Superman goes into Luther's office. And he like busts in there and he's like staring him down and Luther's like, Oh, I'm glad you're here, Superman. You know, and then all of a sudden Superman starts getting queasy and weak and you know, that's when we first see the green ring. And then Luther's like, Oh, not feeling so good, are you? You know, and so I mean it's obviously it probably already has elements of born again, but I'm gonna build off it some more. So anyways, Jimmy screws up. At the time he was really good friends with Perry White's son, who was doing drugs and eventually died. He was running with the wrong crowds and whatnot. So I want Jimmy to really run in deeper with him to think he could save Perry White's son because Perry White is like his father. And that's where we ultimately really get more of the Perry-Jimmy father-son relationship because I can't think of, of Perry's son's name, but he died. And the weird twist was that actually turned out to be Luther's real son. Oh, wow. Because Luther and, and Perry grew up together in Suicide Slum. Yeah, history gets changed every now and then. So anyways, at that point. So anyways, so Jimmy winds up falling in deep. He winds up getting stuck on the drugs as well. So he winds up taking a picture of something he shouldn't have. So, of course, now he's on Luther's radar. So when the, when the men are coming and they're, you know, like, hey, we need to know what's going on. So this is where the surprise twist is going to come. Jimmy knows. I mean, Jimmy's good at observation. You can't just be a photographer randomly. You know, like that's one of the things that makes me sad about Lois and Jimmy. You know, it's like, oh, well, they were just here. No, Lois is a great reporter. Jimmy has to be a great photographer. So you don't just have a pair of eyes. Now, I know in the past I've argued like, you know, Clark does a whole bit. He acts like a completely different person. He changes his physical mannerisms and all that stuff. But you can't hide certain characteristics that Jimmy would know. So he just does it because he's like, Superman's greater than me, so I'll never spill the beans. But this Jimmy will spill the beans because he's addicted to drugs. And he's taking a picture and he's about to get his ass beat. He's got to stop it. So he winds up having, you know, a photograph. So it's kind of ambiguous. You know, it shows Superman going into that closet and, or sorry, Clark going into the closet and seeing that Superman costume there so he managed to get off a picture you know and of course superman would have heard this but he kind of lets jimmy in on the secret without telling him because you know it is his best friend so jimmy gives the picture away so it passes through the chain and finally it lands with luther now luther is like well there's no concrete evidence i mean maybe clark is just going in there to look at this but he's like no i'm not too stupid maybe there's something more to it so he starts going after clark kent so he does the same thing he has you know a cop go back on his word and say, no, I false testified. Why did I do it? Because Clark Kent wanted to get this Pulitzer Prize winning story on the scandal. I did it to help Clark, blah, 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 blah. So now Clark Kent's name is Mud. He's, a, he's just fallen into journalism. Same thing. The IRS is going to freeze his account. You know, mom, pa, their farm's going to get overtaken. So oh. that's like the hard stuff there. So he's just losing it. And so... You know, same thing. It's going to be like, okay, I'm, I, you know, he's just pissed off to the point. Luther has done enough to sign his name on it. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll have the Kent farmhouse blow up. So mom and pa don't get killed, but they get, you know, yeah. attacked on that point. So Clark is not thinking well. You know, he's going to go in there and Luther's just going to kryptonite poison him. But not enough to kill him, but just enough to give him that edge. So he does beat up Superman and throws him out. You know, he just throws them out and, you know, they, they kind of do, I would take a scene kind of akin to, 
Batman versus Superman, where Superman flies into a building and explodes, and he's the only survivor, so everybody hates him for that. So, you know, we could play that aspect. So that's where he starts the discrediting. So Superman has just been in this explosion. He's very weak, and he goes to hide. Who's going to help him? And this is the one you gave me. I didn't even think about it, and I love it. This is where we get the real Supergirl. The, the, not the, 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 the alien from the other, or the, the protoplasm matrix from the other alternate which universe. Which is going to be introduced in the 90s. Yeah, which was given to us later. I'm going to give the actual Supergirl, Kara Car- L. Kara Zor-El. Kara Zor-El. So she's going to be that, yeah, no, I actually landed on this planet. You know, I, I've been here since I was 12. I'm 16, you know, and I know once you came to power, or once you got exposed, once you've been out there, I, I knew that there was someone like me. And so that's when she's she's speaking Kryptonian to him and all this and that. And so that's the person that he meets. Now, do I do the Frank Miller, you know, like, oh, are, are you from Krypton? And she's going to be like, no, I'm not from Krypton. No, I'd rather give him, you know, I'd rather just at that moment we, we discover who she is. And I mean, I, you, you're, you're giving me way too much credit. I mean, I really, I, I, I just said, oh, Supergirl. And then you were like, oh, that's great. But I, I really love the idea of, you know, bringing her in uh, much sooner than, well, I mean, because this is right after Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? Yeah, this so is like a couple months that later. That version, or Kara Zor-El. In, we didn't get her back till Jeff Loeb. Exactly. And, Superman and, and Batman. Superman, yeah, then 2000-something. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, before that, she just died. We just had the iconic uh, Superman holding the death bo- dead body of, of Kara, you know, mm-hmm. cover and stuff like that. So just to have her come in and you're kind of giving her a new... Uh, new, yeah, I would, I would change her origins, you know, to I, the point where she kind of kept herself hidden. She she saw she it's still following her young nephew or no cousin that yeah. you know, but she gets there. Her her ship comes much later, uh, just like the way it is. And now she she gets there and she sees her cousin's much older. She doesn't he doesn't need her to to watch out for her, him. So she just kind of stays in the background. You know that I love that idea. Yeah, and then, just, until the point when he did need her. Yeah, so she decides to expose herself. So she comes out there and helps him. And, you know, um, eventually, you know, Clark's going to have to prove his innocence and things like that. As for my nuke, you know, that's, that's you know, Luther, I could easily just see him saying, like, okay, well, let me, you know, once once he tries to discredit Superman, I guess. So, you know, that's easy. Throw out a Bizarro. You know, he throws Ooh. out a Bizarro. Bizarro goes on Rampage. Everybody's hating Superman. After Kara, you know, I'll even make it that Kara introduces him to the Fortress of Solitude. She's like, hey, look at what our Kryptonian robots can do. You know, she activates the ship. The ship finally, after realizing that there's more than one Kryptonian, builds the fortress. You know, he, she heals Superman. He comes back to Metropolis. We have the showdown between Superman and Bizarro. This would be a better Bizarro than the first one Luther made, but ultimately it'll still succumb. People realize Superman's okay. Uh, Luther is just pissed off, so he takes his big resource of kryptonite. He gives it back to Metallo, and he's like, you need to kill this guy. But he reprograms uh, Metallo a little bit more, so Metallo will obviously follow Uther, Luther's orders. And, you know, that's ultimately the piece that is used uh, akin to major or sorry, not akin to um, nuke nuke that helps expose that it was kingpin behind all this so that's where metallo would come into play with some of the robotics is like wait this is luther core you know and so that's how i'd play that off and then of course you know superman writes that or clark kent writes that piece exposing that there was a big cover-up there was a big uh, foil against him he's proven his name and then him and lois walk off into the sunshine <laughs> akin to that bob dylan cover and then that's how I would end mine. And so I would probably make it probably again a good eight issues. Um, I, like I said, I would take it from Superman number two. I'd do it a year later, so that way you could build the story in the background. 
Uh, I apologize to Jimmy Olsen fans out there. I have destroyed Jimmy. <laughs> so there will be a moment where he gets to get checked into rehab, but he's got to go on a quest to re-earn that That's watch. true. <laughs> uh, and uh, you, you're going to call it? Now, this is the tough part. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, uh, born rain, rain of the born. I, uh, okay, I got it. Rebirth. Rebirth, Superman Rebirth. Born again, so this will be Superman Rebirth. Uh, I will bring that title out there way before it was ever used in Green Lantern, and it became the DC you know, banner to float under. There we go. If I was thinking better and was an established hey, writer in the 80s. No, you know what? Because I, I would... I- to me, that would be perfect because then you'd still have Jeff Johns come in later and be like, "No, that's a, a that's a brand that DC uses. I'm going to use it again for <laughs> for uh, Flash and Green Lantern, and then a whole universe is going to be called Rebirth." So. so that's where it comes again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the one part of the story that we didn't really touch on in the original Born Again was the whole Ben Oric like B side story, and you know yeah. there's some great stuff with him in that, and it it talks about you know it's it really goes through the the uh, that's true. I the, forgot about the nurse hatchet. Side yeah, of the thing. dangerous, yeah. the dangerous, the dangers of being in a quote unquote relationship with Daredevil or Matt Murdock, and Ben is the one that pays a big price for it. You that's know, true. Because did his wife die? His, no, his wife doesn't die. He gets yeah, there right. just she, in time, yeah. but it's close. It's damn close. Yeah, and she busted up his hand at the point he where busted, he was afraid. Exactly, and, yeah. and you know, the, you have the kingpin constantly uh, threatening him uh, through this nurse. Uh, however, you have it, but. Uh, and I just want to say that was the part that we didn't get No, that's to. true. And actually, I feel bad because now that you mentioned that, it's true. That's one of those things where it's like when people talk about Batman the killing joke, you forget that's also a, a, a major turning point in the life of Jim Gordon. Yeah. People forget what he went through. So you're right. For it's having a relationship with Batman. that collateral damage in that regard. And it is a good Ben or Ben Yurick story because I would say there's one of the issues probably in the middle of the story that is heavily focused on Ben. Mm-hmm. And that's where he finds the strength to say, I don't care what's going to happen to me or my wife. I have to do the right thing. I have to tell the truth. So good point. Uh, if you have any, any issues with what we, we talked about today, any uh, opinions, we'd love to hear them. Uh, this has been a very long episode, so we will, uh, you know, let you listen to it in, in its all and then come, come back to us. So if you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Chris is also on Twitter as I'm on Twitter as stuff. I should say, uh, should being spelled S H U D the rest of geek elite radio is at geek elite radio on Twitter at geek elite radio on Instagram, facebook.com forward slash geek elite radio is our Facebook page and geek elite radio.com is our website. Check it out for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.